Powered from the Perdomo Cigar Studios on the Black Stage in Indian Trail, North Carolina, and broadcasting from the Alec Brownlee Lone Star Studios in Euless, Texas. Welcome to Primetime Special Edition 136. Tonight, we welcome back Jonathan Carney, Vice President from La Florida Minicana, for our annual big game pregame show. And as always, Primetime Special Edition is sponsored by Perdomo Cigars. Awarded Nicaraguan Cigar of the Year in 2014 by Cigar Journal, the Perdomo 20th Anniversary brand has consistently earned the highest scores in the industry and is a top seller in humidors around the world. The Perdomo 20th Anniversary blend requires tobacco has been carefully hand-selected and are well-aged for a minimum of eight years. The Perdomo 20th Anniversary is offered in three distinct wrappers, a smooth, creamy Ecuadorian Connecticut, a rich, earthy Cuban seed Nicaraguan sun-grown, and a dark, oily Cuban seed Nicaraguan Maduro. Combining these beautifully barrel-aged wrappers with thick, high-priming binder and filler tobaccos gives each blend a balanced complexity with layers of rich flavors and smooth, elegant aromas. Perdomo Scott is a family-owned and operated company headquartered in Miami, Florida, with manufacturing and agricultural facilities in Esteli, Nicaragua. Perdomo's highly acclaimed cigar brands include the Perdomo State Selection Vintage, the Perdomo Double H 12-year vintage, Perdomo 20th Anniversary, Perdomo Reserve 10th Anniversary, Perdomo Bono Bourbon Merrillies, Perdomo Lot 23, Perdomo Menso 70, and many more. For great tasting notes and pairing information, check out the Perdomo website at www.perdomocigars.com. And we always want to mention Tabacalera USA, makers of iconic brands such as Monte Cristo, Romeo Julieta, H. Upman, and Aging Room Cigars. Tabacalera USA, great things are happening here. And, of course, JRE Tobacco. The authentic Corojo leaf is one of the most robust and flavorful tobacco leaves out there. During the golden age of cigars of Cuba, it was a leaf of choice to make some of the world's greatest cigars. Because it is one of the most challenging ones to cultivate, it fell out of favor by the 1990s. In the Hamastran Valley in Honduras, Julio Arroa took on the challenge of growing Corojo from the original seeds. And in 2000, he successfully reintroduced authentic Corojo back to the market. With over 50 years' experience in the tobacco business, from growing and curing tobacco to cigar production, the Jerry Tobacco Farm has been able to continue to deliver products to market with authentic Corojo. Now with Jerry Tobacco, Julio Susu San Justo have brought their very own brand to market and each contain that authentic Corojo leaf. Aladino is available in a wide variety of blends, including the latest release, the Aladino Classic, and each represent that golden age of cigars from 1947 to 1961. Now available at your local retailer, be sure to ask for Jerry Tobacco, a legacy that is tasted in every drawer. And finally, by Drew Estate. Dark, bold, and unapologetic. Blackened Cigars M81 by Drew Estate is an intense journey into the uncharted, deepest, darkest, and heaviest depths of Maduro tobacco. A masterpiece collaboration between Metallica's James Hetfield, Sweet Amber Distilling's Rob Dietrich, and Drew Estate's Jonathan Drew, the all-Maduro Blackened Cigars M81 by Drew Estate is a rich and powerful but beautifully balanced cigar offering tantalizing notes of leather, chocolate, and espresso that's perfect for life celebrations and times of reflection. You can find them at your local Drew Diplomat retailer. And, of course, remember all the live streaming for the Primetime Network of Shows is sponsored exclusively by Drew Estate, as well as the California Studios for the Thursday Primetime Show. Well, welcome, everybody. This is Primetime Special Edition number 136. Today is February 7th, 2022. Will Cooper, I am in the Perdomo Square Studios on the Black Stage again tonight. And I'm joined by my co-host and my good friend at the Alec Bradley Lone Star Studios. Hazel, Texas. Mr. Bear Duplissy. Coop, how you doing? I'm doing great. How about you? 
Good, good. What was my hometown again? Hazel. Okay. You said you listened at the top of the show. I did, huh? Yep. I know. Uh, I'll have a side hard, man. It's all good. Okay. I, I said, hey, you know what? Because I probably used last year's template <laughs> or an old template. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just looking at it. Probably. Yep. That's probably what I did there. But no, it is Hazel, Texas. Uh, I apologize for the. Uh, no, it's okay. It. I just, I give you a hard time, Coop. I, I, hey, listen, I'm excited for the show. Uh, it's something I've, I've, you know, when we did it the first, my first, you know, our first year together. You know, of, of course, I love our guests, which we'll be introducing here in a moment, um, personally and professionally. But I, you know, it was it's just became it's just become more and more fun each and every year. And it each year, like there's like this new di- this this new thing that always gets introduced. It's always like different part that's a part of like favorite part of my favorite part of the show, if that makes any sense. Like uh, when uh, when our guests broke down the the three Hall of Fame careers of Tom Brady, like. That was, last year, that was just fucking incredible. Like I thought that was like just incredibly insightful, and it like it just offered a perspective that we hadn't thought about, you know. Well, when he predicted, cool. or when he predicted on our show that Cam Newton was going to be a New England Patriot. Yeah, no, no one, that was solid. Yeah, Holy and, and, and no one else said it. I mean, believe me, after the show, I went and Googled to see maybe if it was seen. No, he he predicted that. Um, he has done this show every year since 2016, with the exception of 2017, because we were in a show transition period. So the pot, I was transitioning into from Stogie Geeks to Coop, so we didn't do it that year. But but every year he's been here. We're glad to have him back. So let's bring him on right now. He's the one and only Jonathan Carney, Vice President of La Flor Dominicana. Jonathan, welcome back tonight. Glad to be here, gentlemen. I I hope to provide unique insight as I had in the past. But when you have a, a great track record, like I had uh, the only way to go with these types of predictions is, is down, you know, and I'm not, <laughs> I'm not like Adam Schefter where I have all these sources, uh, you know, so we'll see. Hopefully I got some good insight. Um, you don't have four cell phones sitting on the, sitting on the table there, just like going off. No, I'm actually just down to, just down to one cell phone. And, uh, but yeah, hopefully, you know, I got some insights some thoughts and some things, but no, I'm glad to be back. Um, I have been under the weather for the last six weeks, but the last two weeks specifically. So this is, this is my, this is really my first, um, really my first sit down cigar in, in the last probably like four or five days. I was in the Dominican Republic last week. We brought our sales team down that we do farm and factory tour with them. Um, I, I use the term national sales meeting because that's what everybody calls it. But for us, it's really a factory tour because with my salespeople, we're a smaller company. You know, I'm constantly meeting with them on, uh, you know, on sales strategies, and we're very agile because we're smaller. So it's more of a farm and factory tour for them than it is just a national sales meeting. But for lack of a better term, that's what we're down there for. Anyway, in the middle of the trip, I got quite sick and I I went in with with a little something I came out with a lot worse. So I took the last four days and was... uh, had every every medicine that was possible uh, from our from our modern health system here in the United States to get me back to normal. So I'm ready to go. I have a little raspy voice, so I think I I uh, I probably sound extra masculine tonight, which would be good because this is about football, a very masculine thing that we're going to be discussing. And I am going to have a little bit of pork as well. I'm drinking tonight. I've got uh, it's called Optima Ten. It's Wears. It's really nice. Oh, wow. um, Nice this bottle stuff. is really good too. It kind of looks like a like an olive oil type lemon jello type bottle. 
So I'm going to have a little bit of that. Not a lot, but I, I have a glass or two here uh, with that as well. And as you can tell, I'm adorned uh, like a billboard today. I'm more like a stock car racer. Everything I have has a, the uh, Fox Cigar logo. They're sponsoring me tonight uh, for the big game show. So a little free advertising for them. Uh, but Fox Cigars is a big supporter of ours and coincidentally are in Arizona where the big game is coming up. Um, and they have those cigars. So they brought in a ton of them. So tonight we will Perfect. be... Uh, I'll be a stock car racer. I'm bought and paid for tonight. Yep. And Fox Cigar, I, I, I'll mention it's the home of the Machete de Oro, which is a personal favorite of our co-host Dave Burke in Australia, who has gotten uh, – I've sent, I've sent some to him. I still have more to send to him because I can't send them everything at once because of the uh, the, the customs fees and, and the tariffs he has to deal with. So, But I send them a little more at a time to them. But, uh, yeah, he, and that's a great cigar at uh, Candela. So, um Fox it was Fox. I, do they still have them? Do you know, or is it an ongoing thing they have? The, or was the it- Machete de the Machete de Oro. I still believe they do have some. Um, we went quite heavy with it, and uh, I was very public that we kind of the, the shipping of them kind of got screwed up in customs. Uh, it, was, it was like two years ago. Now that we did it, it was twenty one. Um, so they got them after St. Patrick's Day, which was really challenging. Um, so they held on to them. And they've been releasing them slowly in some of their packs that they do. Um, I, I do. I, they did sell a ton this last year. Uh, I know that, but I, I do believe they still have some more of those for sure. But those that was definitely fun. That was a set. That was a TCFKAM, the cigar formerly known as M. And we did it with a Candela wrapper, with a uh, with a shamrock on it. And Machete de Oro means pot of gold. Uh, so it was a really fun project. Uh, honestly, for me, it was one of the more beautiful cigars we did in that gourmet smoke session series um that was part of the season one so that was that was a really unique cigar and it was it it is beautiful and if you like candela it's certainly the it's probably the nicest candela that's ever been made (laughs) yep 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 uh and bears put fox of garbar in the comments uh as well tonight. so uh they are i said i i had very good buying experiences with them um so um it's a great place i've been i've been i've been to their uh scottsdale location because it's they have two right they have one in gilbert one in scottsdale right yep yep and they um you know they have expansion plans and uh, they their their business has grown significantly and just a really first class operation uh you know really really authentic Uh, i said the buying experience is different than any others they really do have a personal touch to it so I'm, I'm proud to say, proud to be bought and paid for tonight, but they're also good friends out there too. And we're going to be smoking cigars that they got. Um, so, you know, I'm going to light up because I got to get, go, I got yeah. to get this thing started. I'm going to yep. probably smoke four of these tonight. Yep. So uh, you lighten up the 23. I am. So bear, are you going to forego a selection and go if, right for the 23? I, well, I've got 23 available right here. Let's go ahead and show the box before it gets, uh, yep. gets ripped open here. But, uh, uh, Really excited. Go ahead and show yours, Coop, uh, since you've already got yours out. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, John, I, I mean, I have no problem doing this. So it, it, let's keep tradition alive. We're talking about football tonight, you know. Yep, here let's we talk, go. You know, traditional things. So I I think I know what John's going to pick, but I'll, I'll go ahead and give him the choices. We do have a 2018 football edition. This was the uh, the uh, um, box press, giant box press, like uh, almost like a factory press, as John was saying a little bit earlier. I still have one of those. Um, I do have the the 23s that I just showed the box of. 
Uh, again, John, thank you so much for getting these out to us in such short order. Yep. Uh, and then after last year, you know, you 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 blessed us last year as well, John. I smoked through those, and then I was gifted. I was I was blessed twice over. I was blessed, uh, gifted by a friend who who actually got me another box of the Los Angeles one. So I have those here. I've been saving that actually for this year. New year probably going to get us the twenty threes. Um, but I, uh, I knew you were going to do the show regardless. And I wanted to have something special to smoke yeah. just in case. So what would you like me to smoke to start? Would you like me to do 23, 22 or the 2018, sir? Just because it does take a little effort to open the box. Now we have listened. We used to, we used to put four nails in these boxes. Uh, now there's only two. So they are. Why do I thank you on that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The uh, coincidentally though, strangely, uh, this is the first year since Texas that they haven't been cellophane. And yeah, I was kind I noticed of, that. yeah, I was kind of worried about it and I haven't had any issues. So I think, I think we figured out the, the way to, to do them without cellophane again, because I'll be honest, opening it up, you open the box up without cellophane. It, it's awesome. Like to open up a, a cabinet style, like, oh this yeah, of a cigar mm-hmm. and have it. I mean, you smell it. It's rich. So I do prefer it that way. But the first thing that popped into my head when I opened that up uh, a couple weeks ago, I was like, oh my God, there's no cellophane. This is going to be a nightmare. And then I looked at it and they had it. It was, it was excellent. So was, I don't think there's going to be any issues. And for people that are tuning in, we had some breakage issues with a uh, unique shape and size. We did when the Super Bowl was in Houston, and it had some breakage issues, so we went straight to cellophane after that. Uh, but, uh, but for the sake of not having bucks, fair smoke that twenty eight. Do you have any more of the twenty eighteen, or is this your last one? That's my last one. Oh, smoke it then. Whatever. What better time than now? Yeah, yeah. You know, and I smoked. Like I said, I smoked. I was telling you, I smoked the twenty one um, for our jukebox show, and I just, I that thing aged unbelievable. It went into the stratosphere. Is what I'm just saying. It was. If you got some of those 21s, if anyone's got 21s lying around, smoke them. They're peaked right now. I can tell you right now they're peaking. Um, but this is an interesting shape that we have here. So this is the second time that we've made one in this perfecto size. Right. And this is this uses the mold of the cigar that we uh, that we don't actively make any longer, but it's called the perfecto habano which was originally a test blend for the airbender lines back in the day in the probably 2007, eight, nine ish range. Uh, so this is, this is based off of that size. But the last time we did this was when the Super Bowl was in Santa Clara outside of San Francisco. And we did a Maduro wrapper with Connecticut shade accents uh, on it. So this is, we're bringing that size, brought that size back. And change the design up a little bit, and it's so it's Ecuadorian Habano wrapper, and then Connecticut broadleaf uh, accents on there. So this is the second time we've had this shape. I said it's essentially the reverse of the previous one. And I'll tell you the the unique thing about these football editions are we talk quite a bit about you know with wines you talk like vintage crops. So like this is the 2018 vintage and whatnot. And our and our LG line is this way too where the LG series, which will be back this year, which we'll get into later in the show. But that is a vintage product. So that's tobaccos from the, that, that are at least four years of age. Um, and they start, the youngest tobacco is four years old. So that's what we put on it for the vintage date. So if it's the 2015, it's 2011 crop. Uh, but that's a representation of what's going on in the farm this year. Now, this blend is the same style of way where 
the blend of each of these has been very, very similar, except the first one. The first cigar we did was a, a Lajero Cabinet 500, and it had a football on it. Um, then we started doing Habano, and we started doing unique sizes and shapes. But that blend is not blended like, you know, this blend here isn't blended the way we blend like a 700 Maduro, where we're blending that tobacco in a way to make that cigar taste the same every single time you smoke it year to year to year. So you're not changing the recipe per se, but you're changing percentages. Sometimes you might need more Lijero, depending on what was going on at the farm at the time. So this is truly a vintage crop. So the blend's the same, but it's 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 exactly the same recipe uh, each year. It just changes the shape, size, and whatnot, which it definitely alters the way it performs. And then also the tobaccos are are different because they're from different vintage crops. So yeah. I don't know exactly what the vintage crops on here, the tobaccos in here are aged at least a year and a half to two years. But, uh, you know, from year to year, if you smoke these, you should get different performance and you will get different flavors, even if they were made in the same size, because they're being blended for the cigar and for what it is not being blended for just a certain flavor profile. Yeah, you know, and, and I think this is something that's very important, though. And this is, I think, I don't need, you don't need me to tell you this, but I want to mention it to the audience at least. Lafleur, I mean, for Lafleur to maintain the consistency that they do every year, and for your company to do that every year, when when these these vintages do change, uh, it's a testament to what you guys do, because they, that's the case. I mean, they, I just feel when I pick up a Lafleur Dominica, I I know what it's going to taste like. Yeah, and and and. <clears throat> It's funny how, how this became a discussion that I really started getting into in, in explaining and educating on what vintage crops are. Uh, and, and that was when I had, I, I had people that are big fans of the LG line. So it's Dominican Puro, wrapper, binder, filler, all from our farm. And I had, I had a customer one time said to me, a consumer, they said, the, the LG last year, I, it was stronger than this year. Uh, you know, I, li I like last year's better. Why, why is it different every year? And I said, well, that's the purpose. I go, it should be different every single year that it comes out because it's a representation of what was going on at the farm that time. Now, you may like cigars that are fuller bodied. You may want some that's fuller than that uh, in that year. But that's a representation of maybe the year, you know, 2020 might have been incredibly sunny, not a lot of rain. So you got really rich, full body tobaccos. And, you know, some of them have really aggressive flavor profiles. And then 2021, you, it might have been really rainy, you know, so the tobacco wasn't quite as strong and whatnot. Now, obviously, it's still full bodied, but it will have slight differences year to year based off of what was going on at the farm um, and the agriculture side of it, very similar to grapes and vintage crops. Now, then you also have products that aren't that way, where you're blending it to make sure it tastes exactly the same every year to year. You know, a double Aero 700 has a flavor profile that that's tasted and that's how that works. Right, my hand I have up here right now is a double hero 700. <laughs> but that flavor profile is this is what it tastes like. So, yep. double hero 700 has to taste like A, B, and C. That's what it's going to taste like. Yep. LG has to have Dominican wrapper, Dominican binder, Dominican fillers, and it's got to be that way. And it's got to be crops that were at least four years old. So, when you do that, you're going to be blending things together in a different fashion that's going to have some different flavor profiles. So, and this is the same situation that you run into this is this is the football cigar as Habana wrapper Connecticut shade accents or, or Maduro accents depending if it's Maduro wrapper or vice versa right and it's going to be that blend and you're going to have differences from year to year 
Yeah, I mean, right out of the gate, there's a richness to this cigar I'm getting. Very rich tobacco flavor I'm getting right out of this out of the gate with this. The uh, for me, I think it's cool too. Is so this is a perfecto, and the thickest part of the cigar is in the middle, mm-hmm. but it's not. It doesn't get down to a small tip like you do with like a Solomon uh, or like yeah. a TPFKM. So instantly upon lighting it, the draw is real smooth. So if you light a Solomon up, you know, where you light up a Perfecto that comes down to like a really fine tip, you, you spend the first bit of time working into lighting the cigar up and getting more tobacco and you're drying air for a small part. So I, I like this style of Perfecto because when you light it up, you're right into the cigar instantly. It, it almost has the shape of a bowling pin. This perf- You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. the bowling pin does bold and then it kind of tapers just a little. And this kind yeah. of reminds me of a bowling pin. This perfect. Yeah, like a candlestick bowling pin. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, which I, like I said, I, I, you know, I really, really like that. We just did a show um, with Casa Cuevas, and you know, we were smoking a perfecto, which goes to the tip. And you know, when you do that, it does take a bit for the cigar to open up. That's just part of the process. Um, you know, and it's going to happen when you have a perfecto like that. But this one you can get right into so, right right into it here. Yeah. So the second you light it up, so if I if I'm in a retail store and somebody wants to smoke something that's unique and special, like they say they run into one of our Solomon Unicos, uh, the TAA Solomons, which just came out, um, or the TCFKAM. I just call them the M. So for the sake of the discussion, M. The um, I'll have them light it, and they're like, they cut it. I light it for them, and then I leave them for a second. And I'll come back shortly after and say, hey, just to give you a heads up, the draw is going to be a little tight for about a tenth of an inch. I go, and once you get in, it's going to open right up. And usually when I'm talking to them, is it right around the time that I know the cigar is going to open up? So they take a puff and like, oh, my gosh, they're like, that's that's incredible because it, it really does. It's a unique smoking experience to have, you know, to be smoking just small amounts of tobacco with a really fine tip. But I, you got to explain that to some people because if it's you, if you're smoking a unique shape like that, and you, you may say, "Oh, this is kind of plugged," but then you get there and it opens right up. However, for this shape, um, you know, and for this concept, a perfecto habano size that we've done for us, this this is I said the second you light it up, it's it's right in the sweet spot. You know, yeah. it's it's right where that sweet spot is anyway. Uh, so you pass on the beginning experience, which is fine. Uh, you know, I I personally enjoy that and it serves a purpose. But for this, I mean, we're into smoking a cigar right now, and it's and I said it's right into the sweet spot. Yeah, no, um, yeah, I would agree with you on that for sure. Um, I want to say that this this is the second time Arizona's got. I, was the first football edition in Arizona? Yeah, the the first football edition we did with this, uh, did was in Arizona. Yeah, uh, how the concept came about was. Uh, there was a retail out there, Baxter's Cigars. They're still on social media. I don't believe they're involved in retail anymore. Uh, but we were sitting there, and Joe, the, the general manager there at the time, uh, he and I were talking, and he's like, hey, are you coming out for the Super Bowl? And I said, ah, I'd like to. I go, but it's a busy week. I go, and it's expensive to travel to cities when major events are going on. And uh, he was like, you guys should do a cigar with football on it. And I said, dude, I go, that's, I go, that's genius. Now, it's happened before. There's yep. been cigars with designs on it. You know, Fuente's done one that's shaped like a football. Um, True Estate's done shaped like a football. There's been designs and things on it. So I'm not claiming we were the first to put a football on it, but we were the first to associate associate it with 
a congregation of a large group of people in an area, which happens to be this, you know, with the Super Bowl in town, uh, that are celebrating not just the Super Bowl, but celebrating the game of football in general. So I said, that's, that's genius. I go, what a great idea. I go, and I go, we can make a thousand boxes and come out, do events and, and boom. So the first year that we did, it was really focused on brick and mortar, uh, brick and mortar events. That's what it was focused around. So the cigars came in the week of essentially of the game and we showed up and did events around the area. And it's kind of matured over the years where uh, it's become less event driven which is unique because it was intended to have me be out there, you know, and have someone from LFD out there during that period of time. But it really over, I would say even a year before, um, probably 2018 when it was in Atlanta is where it started to kind of mature to a point where it became bigger than just us being there doing the events. Right. So we still go out off and on, but I I haven't been uh, since it was in Tampa. So we did Tampa and Miami. And then we didn't, we didn't go and do any, we didn't do any events in Atlanta. And then this last year, we didn't go out to LA. And then this year, we're not out there for Arizona. So we will, we will make a comeback, you know, jump around, but it's really matured beyond what the intentions were of it originally, where it was like, Hey, this is a chance for us to go and do some events. And then it became to the point where, you know, this is bigger than what this is. We can go and do an event but this is already a busy week for whatever's going on out there. And we have a high profile product. Uh, you know, let's kind of save some time. Let's save and go another time um, and focus on some different things. Cause this has become a beast in itself. Yeah. You have a couple sure. of new markets coming up. Uh, I'm sorry, bear. No, I was just going to say the, uh, before you hop into the new markets, I, I was going to ask like, you know, again, this is a very unique design, you know, yeah. Again, it has the football, which is the kind of consistent moniker, but you know, you guys have done it on various different Vitolas and I mean, um, LaFleur is known for some of its artist, you know, it's art, you know, artistic nature and stuff, but like the Salomon New York series that we're talking about earlier before the show started. I'm just curious, like, uh, you know, I'm I'm sure, you know, I'm sure these are obviously more difficult to make, uh, you know, especially the precision that's needed and everything like that. But I mean, it it seems like y'all enjoy this. It seems like it's a fun project that everyone kind of enjoys. I mean, I mean, can you, can you share the, the truth of that statement, I guess, or assumption. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it, there's actually two, there's two rollers that make these um, to do the designs on the outside. Now our, our, our other rollers, we have rollers in the factory that make the cigar and then the cigar goes over to them. And once it gets the wrapper on, they do the design. So there's just two pairs that do the designs, uh, but no, it has been co- become something very fun. You know, it, it came along shortly afterwards, right. When we started doing the Solomon Unico series uh, which we still do make it's just in small amounts and then we started doing you know special designs if you've been to pro cigar coop you know when you come to our factory you get a coffin that has a special cigar each, each cigar is different yeah um, it's yeah. all special designs there's a lot of fun things we did you know the gourmet smoke sessions when when we were at like 20 or 30 percent capacity during covid uh we had the gourmet smoke sessions and each session had a special cigar uh because we did have those rollers that were making those, they were still there. And that was great to have that. So it's been something that we've done. That's been fun uh, in general, just with having artistic designs, but then the, the football series has become huge. I mean, it's synonymous with, uh, you know, any type of celebratory things synonymous with cigars, but specifically fo- the game of football, um, you know, is the biggest, con- you know, I said the biggest congregation of sports fans that we have in the United States. Uh, that's, you know, this is the big event. 
Um, so it revolves around. So it's fun. You know, it's fun because of the nature of the game. It's fun because of the nature of the actual artistic side of the cigar. And I think what's made it really successful is we're, we're not just taking a cigar and slapping a football on it in tobacco you know each year there's a special size a special shape um oh, each one's distinctly different in the way that it looks uh so it's really become a you know it's, it's its own line of cigars which it's the real deal i mean we own our farms we own our factories uh you know we have our own rollers this is all done in-house um so to have something that's, that's like that and made in that in that fashion I think is what's accelerated this to a level of where it's become something even more is that even bigger than what it was intended to initially. Yeah. And it's a lot of fun. I mean, if you're a cigar fan or nerd or whatever you want to say, it's fun. Like we're, we're having fun comparing some of these older ones, talking about some of these older ones going back at the same time we're doing the new one. It, it has really become a fun series. And, um, you know, and they haven't like, for the most part, these cigars are, even though they go to one state, they've been accessible. I mean, um, yeah, it's not incredibly small. Yeah, it's not an incredibly small batch of cigars. I mean, this year we made this year I mean I think we made like thirteen thousand cigars, yep. which is not a ton, but it's not tiny. Yeah, no. you know, it's not a small amount. I mean, put it in put it in relation to like the amount of cigars that are made for the golden NFT owners. That's like they get like three thousand a year yeah. total. That's yep. for the whole planet. You know, this is one specific event. Now, if we sold these football cigars everywhere every year, we could probably sell 20,000 boxes of them, you know, maybe every year or then maybe, you know, eventually once you spread them out, then you have to you make less. Uh, but the nature of that being that it's limited, but not too limited, it's not rare. Right. Uh, it's, it's, it's accessible. You know, it's accessible to the point where, I mean, it made, it made the half wheel top 25 list, I think, four or five years ago. You know, one of the cigars was on there. It was, I think it was like the number six cigar of the year uh, that they had. So, you know, that's a lot of legitimacy. Now, I know diff- everyone has their own criteria right. for what makes cigar of the year. But to show up and have something that's a one-time thing for one area show up on a list is huge. And if it's not accessible in other places and it's not enough made so people can get it, they probably wouldn't show up on those lists. Yeah, no, it's true. Now, next year, you have a couple new markets coming up because next year is Nevada. And then the year after that, it goes to Louisiana, which you haven't had a Louisiana Super Bowl for the series. So you got a couple of new markets you're going to be able to to do this in uh, over the next couple of years. Yeah, we're we've been we're we're looking forward to Nevada. The Las Vegas one's going to be excellent. Uh, we have strong retail partners out there. It's yeah. not a massive market, um, but I, I think there'll be. I think on a strategic level, there's some places that are going to be giving us phone calls that that don't necessarily have our cigars that are high profile uh, that are probably going to be giving us some phone calls and saying, Hey, we got to do this. We need to have some of them here. Um, so, you know, it's something that as soon as this Super Bowl is done, you know, as soon as this year's over, uh, we're already going to, we're already slowly getting the ball rolling of how we're going to attack that. Cause Vegas could in theory be, even though you have less retailers, it could end up being the most successful because the amount of corporate events, the corporate spending, uh, so, you know, the, the parties, you know, it's just a, it's a really different environment Yeah, and it's going to be a whole, you know, you figure Vegas gets ramped up for the big game, like starting tomorrow when there's people showing up to be there Wednesday, Thursday, yeah. Friday, Saturday, no matter, even though the game's not there, when no, the game is there, it's going to be out of control. So we're, we're gearing up for that. And then Louisiana is going to be really interesting too. Um, you know, it, it, it'll be. I think it's not going to have as much exposure as Vegas will. And I don't see it being as large as that, but it's okay to have a year where it's in a smaller market 
because it, it, it honestly it, it, the same when anybody does limited edition products i have these discussions before with some some manufacturers in this business they said i can sell this one cigar to this person every year as a limited edition and sell five thousand boxes each year and i'm like yeah you could i go until you've done it for two or three years and then people then the number is now three thousand and then the next year the number is you know fifteen hundred and then eventually you just can't do it and you got to go find somewhere else to do the project I, I go, but if you were doing something like this, if every year it keeps growing, that doesn't, we don't have to have it grow. We just want it to keep being successful, whatever that quantity is. So having a year like Louisiana where it'll probably be a little smaller in terms of total quantity is a good thing because then it creates more excitement uh, for next year's. And then, you know, it's okay to have some up and downs in quantity. And that's why a lot of times you see some of these manufacturers, they don't, um, you know, they don't announce how many they're making because they don't want people to know. Like if I made 5,000 boxes and then I only sold 3,000 of the 5,000 and then I'm going to make it again next year and then I'm like, that was 5,000 again. It, you know, that's why a lot of the time, you know, box quantities don't get discussed. If you ever see that I haven't released a box quantity on something, especially with this project, because if you look through the list, there's some, you know, you can sit there from year to year and see. I, it's just because I didn't have the orders ready at the time and I didn't have all the finalized orders. So if there's not a box number on a story on these, uh, a box quantity, it's simply because at the time the story was released, I, I didn't, you know, we weren't done taking orders. Yeah, yeah. But I imagine Louisiana, um, there's probably more retailers in the state of Louisiana than Nevada, but it's not going to have the profile that Nevada is going to have because of Vegas, if that makes True. sense. True. Now, the one unique thing on a business level, uh, there are there's more wholesalers yeah. that are actual retailers in Louisiana than there just are in Nevada. Um, you know, since Louisiana is a little different style of, you know, business, a little different. There's, there's a few major retailers there. Well, a few nice retailers that have two or three stores that do significant wholesale business in that state. Um, so I, I think there may be, you know, there may be some opportunities with that where, where we might get to get them in, you know, these cigars might in Louisiana, end up in some other places in Louisiana that buy cigars like casinos, you know, it's just really yeah. done differently. The casinos in Nevada all have contracts with who they buy cigars from. Yeah. So if, if they want the football cigar, they're going to have to call me up and some of them do have relationships with us, but you know, we don't sell cigars at the Davidoff store at the, the Davidoff stores in the casinos. Right. You know, they just, they don't sell our products, but they may be interested in the football cigar. So that may have some exposure there in Louisiana. I know the wholesaler that works with the casinos and works with some of these things. It does do business with us and they do, you know, they have a nice business because they have two or three brick and mortar retail stores that work with us. So it's a really dynamic business wise. It's going to be interesting. Uh, so, you know, Louisiana may surprise me, but I know Nevada is going to be out of control. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. But this is very, very good. I'm enjoying this. Uh, Barry, you're going to be in for a treat. Really Sounds rich, good. rich flavors I'm getting out of this, yeah. All right, so let's get into some football talk. Um, and as usual, we, we'll kind of hit a few topics uh, from the regular season. And, well, I guess we just start it right off. The retirement of Tom Brady. Is this it, John? <laughs> Is this it? So I, I read something today. It was a meme. And there's this baseball player. I don't know. I think he might play for the Minnesota Twins. But he signed like two or three different contracts in the last year, <clears throat> and it's oh, like Korea, Korea, Korea. Yeah, I think he's four different contract things he's gone through. So yeah, it says in the last in the last twelve months we've gone through two Brady retirements and four different contract negotiations for Korea. 
And I'm like, I was like, that's hilarious. And I sat back, I'm like, really? I go, Tom Brady's retired twice in the last 12 calendar months. So I think he's, I think he's definitely done. I mean, he absolutely is done. I, I just looking at it, obviously his career speaks for himself and everybody knows my opinion. So I won't get into him being the goat that does speak for itself. Um, but just the retirement thing, the fact he unretired quickly and then shortly had marital public marital issues that were on display makes me think that that stuff was probably going on prior. Yeah. Uh, whether it was him about him not retiring and focusing on the family or whatever the situation was, I really think he was considering maybe coming back, but I think last year he might've felt, I think it seemed like he might've felt a little pressure to retire and then he did. And then the things that were issues for him didn't change and his safe haven is football, right? So Mm -hmm. if he's at football, he doesn't have to answer questions about it. If somebody brings up what's going on in my personal life, I'm here to play football. I'm here to ask, I'm here to answer questions about football so I think for him, and the team was pretty good on paper to start the year. They just had a lot of injuries and then just started looking older, not just him, the team. Uh, I think that was kind of his like safe haven. Like, hey, this is going to happen. This is going down. The safest place for me to be right now is to be playing football. Because if he didn't retire, if he stayed unretired last year, he would have been on football games every Sunday. So he's on the TV when he's going through a divorce rather than at practice with a bunch of guys hanging out in Tampa, you know, I think really he, he used football as, hey, this is a chance that maybe we can win again because the team looks good on paper. And then, but also at the same time, I can come back and, and keep my mind clear and focus on the game and then, and then really think about what I personally want to do after, which is what he did. The thing that drives me nuts, though, with this is, so he announces his retirement and people are like, oh, he's a narcissist. He's this, he's a, he's a celebrity that gets paid uh. to play a game like, what do you expect him not to have an ego? He's a quarterback. And, and oh, it's always about him. Yeah, it is, because that's how he makes money. Like, he makes money out of being about him. If you don't like Brady because he's a narcissist or has a bad ego and you're still watching football, you're the one that's got some issues. Like, if you don't like that, don't watch the game. You know, don't watch him because uh, uh, yeah. he makes money off that stuff. I had no problem with when he announced this. Um, if he would have announced it on like Thursday, like going into the Super Bowl, that's another story, right? That, that, you know, that's kind of because the NFL kind of looks at that once, like, once media day begins for the Super Bowl, it's really the beginning of the weekend and, and they want to focus on the Super yep. Bowl. I, I did not have, I did not think this was him trying to grant. If anything, he did it on the off week as opposed to doing it in the middle of the playoffs, you know? So I, I had no issue whatsoever with that. And I, this thing, you know, I'll pick on Brady about like throwing the Super Bowl trophy around. I picked on him about that. I am not going to pick him on, on this one. Yeah, no, no. And and again, it, he, it's entertainment. He gets paid to entertain. Yep. And, you know, that was the biggest story in the off week. So the NFL, that's great for the NFL. It's great for him. Next up. But, yeah, he, he's definitely retired. Um, I thought there were some good options for him if he decided he wanted to play. I think San Francisco would have been the best spot. That team's excellent. Yep. Um, it was sad to watch what went down in that NFC Championship game. I mean, it was that was a hard, hard game to watch. I know if you're an Eagles fan, that's great, but I mean, it was like it, 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 it was it was it was like uh, I was going to say Rick Ross, but uh, the guy from WWE, uh, Rick Flair, Ross, Jim Ross, no Jim Ross. 
Stop the match. Stop the match. Matt, My yeah. God, stop the match. Dr. Ferdy I mean, it looks like that's what happened. When they're, when they're down to, like, Christian McCaffrey might go in, and they're, like, after the 100th time they were in the ball, it's like, stop the match. I'm like, this is awful. Uh, yeah. So that was tough to watch, but I thought San Francisco would have been a good fit for him. Um, the Patriots would have been a decent fit, but that wouldn't – he's not going to go play in a cold climate, and he wasn't going to go back there after they let him leave. So, yeah, I think it was – I think it was – for me, I looked at it. This was – he knew the divorce was coming. What do I love? What makes me happy? Football. I'm going to play it one more year. Give it a shot. And, you know, they had a good year. They made the playoffs. Yeah, they had a losing record, but that doesn't matter. They still were in. He had, he had, his numbers were good. I mean, he had, I mean, he had numbers that were all pro numbers. I mean, 4,600 uh, yards, 4,694 yards passing, 25 TDs, nine interceptions. At his age? That that's a hell. Yeah. I mean, that's a hell. It was a good season. That's a really good the season. The team, yeah. Why he, I asked the question? He, he if was, call why someone maybe won't call him and try to convince him to do it again. Yeah, they they might, but he's got three hundred seventy-five million reasons not to now. Um, so no no team that he could go to is going to pay him yeah. what he's going to do. He passed. I think he wanted to pass the hundred thousand yards mark too. Uh, you know that was something that I think was important to him. He's like, I can put this into it. I can take this number to a number that these other guys aren't going to be able to touch potentially like Patrick Mahomes is going to have to play till he's like 47 years old to, ma- to match them, you yeah. know, or like 43, the odds of him making it to 43 and the way he plays football is very unlikely. Um, he's going to have to change his but, style of play. Kind of like the way Jordan did as he get out, got older, yeah. you know, change, change yeah, it but up. The, yeah. But the difference was, <laughs> is Michael Jordan was, was six foot six, 220 pounds. You know, he got yeah. muscular, he got big. You know, Mahomes can't be like Mahomes is six foot one, six foot two, a hundred and you know, two hundred and five pounds, and he's not playing basketball, so it's not like he can bulk up. You know, fortunately, he can throw the ball, but you know, it's gonna he's gonna have to change the way he plays to get to that level and, and you know, not have any injuries, which you're not seeing injuries pile up for him, but little things, you know, a high ankle sprain at 38 might be a broken ankle. You know, and then there you go. Their career's yeah. done. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. So I, I think that was important to him to hit that number. But, it, but for me, it looked like a guy that knew shit was going on and what made him happy was football. And I, I'm going to go through something that's really bad in my life and going to be a headache. But let me do something that makes me happy at the same time. Yeah, yeah. You know, the other thing I kind of looked at it, too, was Peyton Manning stayed. I think you can make an argument Peyton Manning probably should have retired a year earlier. But Peyton Manning had that. He didn't have a great. He he did not have a Peyton Manning like year that last year. But they won the Super Bowl. Well, he got benched. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, he went benched, and you know, he won the Super Bowl. I, I that defense I, was elite. That defense was tra- like generational elite. But Peyton Manning was not. I mean, in the Super Bowl, that was not a great performance in the Super Bowl by Peyton Manning either. I mean, no. And, and what you can honestly say about Brady is he didn't go out. He's not going out like that if he stays retired. Um, and you know what he did, he did get that ring a couple of years ago, which look, that is one of the great stories in the history of sports, him going to Tampa mm-hmm. Bay and to lead that team to the championship that year. <coughs> um, you, you, you can't take anything away from that. Um, it was an amazing, amazing thing. And, you know, cause he, you know, his last year in new England wasn't that great. It was, it was okay. It wasn't, wasn't Brady. Well, the issues there, the issues there was the team sucked. Yeah. They they spent all their money to win those Super Bowls prior and they had nothing left. 
and they had to totally do a reset, which they did because here, here's the thing. They, that last year in New England, he got murdered. Yeah. If he had stayed in New England where they were at salary cap and money wise, and, and he restructured his contract tons of times to keep people around and they did everything they could do. And they were, they were going to hit a point where they had to hit a reset button and the team sucked. They, their tight ends were terrible. They didn't block. The offensive line was disgusting. Skarnakia was gone. Their offensive line coach sucked. They just were going through a reset. So they bring Cam Newton in and then everyone's like, oh, Cam Newton's done. No, that team sucked. They had the same record with Cam as they did with practically with Brady. You know, that team, if Brady had come back that next year, trust me, they would have had the same record as they had when Cam was there. The team sucked. Okay, the only reason it was slightly okay was because the defense was pretty good. Okay? They had Stephon Gilmore that one year when he won, he won Defensive Player of the Year, and the next year he was still on the team. So the defense was still good, but the only reason they, they were even close was because of that. The offense was gross. Now, fast forward, he goes to Tampa, who doesn't have any of those issues, good defense, crazy good offense. He comes in, they win a Super Bowl. They try to run it back next year. They come up short. This year, the team's old, running out of money. It's the same situation that the Patriots were in, and they're playing, you know, they're playing reset. Uh, and that's going to take the Bucs the same type of thing, but they have a, they're obviously a different uh, entity. But if Brady had come back, he might have got injured or killed and never been able to play again. There was no way that if he'd come back to New England, unless he wanted to just stay there, that he was going to win a Super Bowl there again. Maybe this next year, if he came back next year, maybe they could. But they weren't doing it. There's no way they were winning a Super Bowl in the last two or three years. Not happening. You know, another really interesting yeah, – I'm, I'm going to throw my Brady interesting stat out tonight. So they'll, You probably noticed, though. Tom Brady had more 40-touchdown 40 40 pass years with Tampa than he did with New England. He had the 50 in 2007, but he never hit 40 any other season. And then he hit his first two yeah. years in Tampa, he had 40 and 43. Yeah, but Which also I, in New England, the, he, wasn't throwing the, he wasn't throwing the ball 75 times. True, true, true. It, it know, still like, was an amazing it, stat when I looked at it, though. It, it is. It's crazy. But you, the way – the way they started and throwing the ball down the field was very different than what happens in New England. They, New England had good running backs. If you look at Tampa, one of their biggest weaknesses over the last few years was their running backs were bad. Leonard Fournette it was not the guy. No. And, and that was tough. You know, and they, he played pretty well the year they won the Super Bowl because Mike Evans was, was, you know, was right in the middle of his prime. Uh, Godwin wasn't injured any of those years. He was playing great. They had Antonio Brown in and out, you know, the t Gronkowski. The team was just a different team, and they were throwing it everywhere. Uh, in New England, you know, they didn't have a guy like Mike Evans. There was one year he was throwing to a guy like Mike Evans, Randy Moss. One year was a, he, had, he had that type of player. Yeah. So you have Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. Man, I'm going to throw the ball to those guys all the freaking time. If I got Julian Edelman, some dude I don't know his name of, and I don't know the other guy's name, and then a running back, Guess what? I'm not throwing the ball 70 times, uh, you know, and, and Gronk's not getting 20 catches a game. But you you take into that type of environment and it's going to be spread out. Bruce Arians, it was just a really different type of uh, game. But it was interesting how dependent those three years they really were on just Brady throwing the ball, especially this last year. I think that last game he threw the ball like 65 times. Yeah. The, and the amazing thing is he had his most completions in his career the last two years in Tampa. And his and most attempts, so yeah, it all fits what you said. 
he, uh, I mean, two years in a row, he had over 700 attempts and he completed 485 in 2021 and 490 in 2022. So mm-hmm. that kind of, I think that fits exactly what, what you're saying there. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I mean, uh, and I'm going to have something I'm going to say, we have another segment called good things are happening here. And I do have something on Tom Brady. I'm going to hold that for the good things are happening here segment. Um, cause mine is on Tom Brady tonight, bear. Yeah, I saw that. That's uh, it's exciting. Yep. yep. So, but it, I think it will be good to have Carney on with that too, because, uh, it will, I think, because uh, we'll have a little more opinion on that too. But I think it's a good thing. So, good things are happening here. Is we don't rip Tom Brady, so we say good things. So, <laughs> so uh, no, all good. So, um, you know, John, uh, I guess I'll just bear anything on Tom Brady because I want to. I was going to ask a follow up on New England. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. Was like, you know, where where does New England? Yeah, go from here. Uh, you know, Carney, they've you know they've had a couple of years without obviously three seasons now. Uh, post Tom Brady era, and uh, they, you know, they had a young, promising quarterback gets hurt. You know, just what what does the future look like for Mac Jones, Belichick, and the uh, New England team? And Joe Judge. <laughs> so Mac Jones, his first year in the league, his rookie year was Pro Bowl. Right now, Pro Bowl doesn't really matter, but he had a great first year. I mean, he really did. He was mm-hmm. he played well. Uh, obviously, Josh McDaniels was there. The Patriots, the weirdest thing, the Patriots for me this year was I, how is how do they take Patricia, defensive-minded guy, make him the offensive coordinator? By the way, he was a head coach in Detroit. That didn't work well. I know he's one of Belichick's guys, but how do you bring him back and make him the offensive coordinator? It obviously makes no sense. The offense... The offense was better than last year. Like physically, the offense was better this season. When you look at it, not saying statistically, but the the team was they got better. They added more parts. They didn't lose any parts. They have two of the top probably fifteen tight ends in the league on their team that also block and do things and catch and play. And the defense was excellent. The defense is great. So you take Mac Jones playing at a Pro Bowl level his rookie season, then you go year two and he doesn't have as much success. And the only difference is two things. One, the offense is better. So he should technically play better. Right. The other difference is Patricia's the offensive coordinator instead of, instead of Josh. It's obvious that that's the issue. That was the major issue. And you can't look at someone and say, they got problems. If you got problems in the leadership side of it, because all right, if the if you got the best offensive coordinator in the planet, McDaniel's is one of them, and this guy's playing well, and then you bring this other guy in and he can't figure out this guy doesn't know what he's doing. This guy's working one of the best. Obviously, there's something happened there. So until until you put in somebody like Bill O'Brien who's there now with Mac Jones and see how he plays that year, Mac Jones is the guy. He's the guy that's going to play there next year. I think he's going to have a lot of success with Bill O'Brien. Uh, it can't be any worse than it was last year. So, you know, you look for that team. I think that's going to be the future of it uh, for now. Certainly next year, Mac Jones is the guy. And uh, I think they're going to have a lot of success with it. And I, I think the unique thing that you see, especially in the AFC East, is those teams had a lot of holes when they when things, you know, push came to shove. The Bills, the Bills aren't as good as everybody thought they were going to be. Uh, Josh Allen has, you know, Josh Allen is excellent. I'd love to have Josh Allen. 
but he makes some bad decisions. You know, he tries to put the ball in there in certain spots. You know, he, he, he runs a little too much and he's a big dude. So he gets beat up. He's going to have injuries as he gets older. Uh, the dolphins, you know, if they can't put Tua out there, they can't, they, they're not good. Um, the, the jets, the jets are the jets. They, they keep they, jetting. They Eventually, find a way, they find innovative they and creative ways to lose. Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. I mean, I just watching it. It's just, it's hilarious. So, they're going to be in a good spot, and I, I think if they can get the offensive situation on a leadership level figured out, uh, which is odd, that's the first hire they made. I don't think Patricia's going anywhere, but he's certainly not going to be having anything to do with the offense. Yeah, so here's my when, question on uh, – go ahead, Bitter. I'm sorry. Yeah, so when – and I and I asked this begrudgingly a little bit, Carney, because I know, you're, I, know you're, I know your loyalty to the Patriots and you're a fan, but and you're also a realist too. When is the league – going to wise up and not hire any more Patriots assistants as head coaches. <laughs> it has not worked out. And, I think O'Brien was the one. I mean, he had some success in, in Houston, but but not great success. OK, so if we're playing the percentages, though, Coop, like, OK, right. yeah, I'll, I'll, let's give let's give you O'Brien. And it's like one for seven, one for eight. It just hasn't worked out. So, yeah. I mean, well, when. The coach that's had the most success was was Brian Flores, and he happened to work for an old racist white guy, you know, that didn't like him because he was too black. Like, and the guy was excellent. Brian Flores is a gifted coach, and and it is successful. But the the issue the issue is with the the Patriots assistants is the reason they hire them is because of the success they have, and they're all trying to duplicate the Patriot way. And the problem is the Patriot way works. When you have Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, if you don't have one of them, it's different, which is what we're seeing. But if you don't have either of them, it doesn't work. Like the, I don't know if Josh McDaniels is going to last over next year in Vegas, but they somehow they made it look good at the end of the year and they blamed it on Derek Carr, right? Which it's not his well, fault. Well, they wanted they wanted out of that contract. Yeah, and they well, didn't want they didn't want to pay. Oh, if I didn't have Derek Carr, we didn't have this. No, no, okay. Well, I don't think you're the solution, Josh McDaniels. But the, the problem is they bring these guys in that try to run it. Like Matt Patricia tries to be Bill Belichick, right? You saw yeah. him in Detroit. He kind of acts like him, dresses like him. McDaniel's kind of the same way. But when he goes to place, he's great on offense. At least he has one thing that's excellent. And when when they brought him to Denver originally. He was younger, and they gave him power over everything, which I think was too much. And Denver's changed the way they do business there since then. They've got a, a huge structure of general managers, presidents, this and that. So they created structure so that a coach wouldn't have that type of control. So if you don't have Belichick, you can't run those type of things. If you don't have Belichick and a guy like Tom Brady, then the Patriot way doesn't exist. You know, he is the Patriot way. Brady was it. Belichick built it. Brady executed it. Um, so, so you're not I, – I, I think until they stop hiring these people as head coaches and expect them to do what the Patriots did, that's why I think Flores was great. He went in, he didn't run the Patriots. He went in and ran Brian Flores's, you know, team and he did a great job of it. And you got to see Brian Flores's team play football last year and they were pretty damn good. They just got, and they just got, uh, he just got hired today by Minnesota. Head so, coach? No, no, as a DC. Oh, assistant. 
Yep. Oh, nice. Yep. Yeah, he's excellent. And he's going to yep. get another head coaching job, but he's not the same type of guy. And that's why he had success with it. These people try to duplicate things that they were, you know, this works, but I'm not, you're not the guy. So you got to do it differently, yes. you know, and you got to bring people in that help you because you don't have, Bill Belichick is an oddity that can manage all of those things. I hope you're right about that prediction in Brian Flores, John, because I think, I think, you know, after the, you know, the situation, uh, unfolded and well i think he ultimately had empathy on his side right uh and obviously i think oh he was obviously in the right um is in the right i'm i was really i really thought his career was done as a potential head coach and he even said as much so i hope you're right the the pittsburgh the rooney family the pittsburgh steelers the pittsburgh steelers and that family when that happened with brian flores which was wrong and by the way in my opinion, no matter what happens, but when they came out and said that the Miami Dolphins, the coach, had, that the owners had said, hey, we'll give you $100,000 to lose these games or whatever, that absolutely happened. I don't care if they said it didn't and did. That definitely happened. There's no way in the face of the earth it didn't happen because why would he say that? Why would he sacrifice his whole career on that? And all the situations that went down with him, now I think there's some things that are overblown when you're talking about, uh, you know, the way coaches are hired and things like that, some of that's a little bit nuts, you know, with the diversity stuff, Brian Flores, those, those diversity rules exist for a guy like Brian Flores. And I thought they were going to blackball him and the, the Rooney family stepped up immediately. And I, whatever was going on behind the scenes to people, they were like, no, it's not shocking. The Rooney rule. This is what the rule was for was not just to make things parade around this guy deserves it this is this this is here to protect this guy and we're gonna we're, we're gonna put our money where our mouth is and we're gonna hire him which was excellent so they did him a solid and i was with you too i was like man this guy is i go he better sue the snot out of them i go because he's done mm-hmm. and only- and i was shocked that he wasn't and i not he didn't deserve that but i thought he was the only thing i'll say and I'm not disagreeing with anything you guys said. I just heard a lot of things about Brian Flores not being an easy guy to work within an organization. And I've heard I've heard this several from several people I trust. Um, that's not saying what happened when Miami didn't happen, right, with the owner, right? And that's not saying he he's not a good coach because he because he is a good coach. I I heard I think that was a lot of why he was let go in Miami. Um. Sometimes, you know, the, do you think Bill Belichick's an easy guy to work with? No, no. Um, but but all these like guys, the words out of my mouth, <laughs> but all these guys, back, I mean, Patricia and Joe Judge went back to him. Right now, from what I understand, Patricia is the is the offensive line coach now. That's what I understood. And I don't know what Joe Judge is doing. They have he's just kind of floating around there. Let me ask another question related to Belichick, though. Belichick is the defensive coordinator, right? Yeah, him and his son. So he's got two sons now on the staff, right? I think so. Yeah. So Steve, I just Steve's wonder, the one that's the most involved. Okay. So Steve is the one he coaches the linebackers, and then I think Brian's the other one. He coaches the uh, I think safeties. So I, I I was wondering if he's kind of grooming these the kids to maybe be his successor. You know. I I think certainly when McDaniel left, when Josh McDaniels left. Because he stuck around, I think, waiting to see what was going to happen. And it was also, the, you know, they paid him really well, and he had a lot of success with it. But the uh, I would be shocked if he wasn't grooming Steve 
to take over in the next five years, yep. or at least have something more substantial, uh, not yeah. just in the league, but there for sure. I mean, the kid even kind of act like acts like him, you know, you yeah. watch, you can tell it's his son and, yep. and I, he's really into the game. And I, you know, whenever there's kids involved, you usually hear things, especially nowadays where people like, Oh, they're like, Oh, Nepo babies is this online term right. where someone's kid gets like, gets a job. You go, like, okay. If I work my butt off for years and I'm, and I'm like a big player at NBC and I'm calling sports games, if I'm Bob Costas, you know, if, if my daughter wants to get involved in it, obviously Bob Costas, daughter is going to have a head start and rightfully so. Cause I busted my rear end being Bob Costas for her to be able to have those opportunities and my other family. So this nepotism thing that people say, they use, they throw around the term nepotism. Ne- nepotism like, exists. Like, it's, it's part of it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but nepotism originally was like nepotism things are in place. So like if you date somebody at work, it doesn't become a problem. So you don't advance and beyond. It has nothing to do with your kid. Uh, you know, if, you, yeah. if you're successful in the business and your kid gets successful because you were successful, like give me a break. So anyway, whenever kids, are, you don't hear that discussion out of New England that much. Um, mainly one, because I don't think the Boston sports uh, rotation, it, I don't think it's that in, that intriguing of a topic yet. It may be going forward but you really don't and it's because he's kind of grooming and by the way he's making a name for himself and he's good so i i would be surprised if there wasn't some plans to to build yeah. him into uh into that type of a role it, even if it was like assistant head coach you know for yeah. a couple of years and then you know move into it whatever yeah and the worst thing he could do to the, his son is give him the dc title it was my point i think that would be the worst thing he mm-hmm. could do to his son because now his son, his son you know because what happened look this is what happens uh the coach, the quarterback, and the coordinators are the, are the ones that are always the target, right? So, you mm-hmm. know, once he gets that DC title, he's a target. And and you know, mm-hmm. and I like I like what Belichick's doing. He's grooming him, I think, the right way. Uh, but you know, the others. I don't know too much about the other son, but he's grooming them the right way. It just seems like so. Yeah, uh, and and Peter mentioned in the comments. Uh, this is one that I don't that it goes so underrated. Uh, Gerard Mayo is ridiculous. Uh, that guy is an incre- was an incredible player, but he's also, he's more of an incredible coach. Um, and I agree. Belichick said that he goes, "We're not really into titles here. The, the title doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter if Steve Belichick's a defensive coordinator. It doesn't matter if Gerard Mayo's a defensive coordinator. It doesn't matter who that is, because if they're setting something up to be yeah. handed down to the next step, that the names don't matter in the moment. And all uh, you're 100 percent right. All that does is if you made Steve Belichick the defensive coordinator, then they're going to be up his ass. Like, you don't know who to be yeah. up their rear end. Now, Patricia was the offensive coordinator. Okay? He sucked. Right. Everybody's up his ass about it. So, that's a problem, and you got to fix it. You don't have that on the defense. Now, the defense is leaked, but you don't have that issue because you're, who, who's calling the plays? They talk about it on the broadcast. Like, oh, who's calling the plays? Oh, Steve Belichick's calling him. Belichick's calling him. Uh, um, Gerard Mayo calls something who everyone's calling plays at any given period yeah. of time to a different part of the defense. So to, to try to guess who it is, I agree with you hundred percent. I think they're grooming something here. And I think that's going to be a combination. Gerard Mayo is like a child to Bill Belichick. He said it before. It's going to involve Gerard Mayo. It's going to involve Steve Belichick. Patricia's probably going to stick around because no way anybody's going to give him a head coaching job again. So there's some combination of those guys are going to be involved in this franchise at a high level in the next couple of years. Agree. I agree with you on that. All right. Let's turn to the next topic. This was another big one over the last two weeks. And I just want to say, I called it from the very beginning. Sean Payton going to the Broncos. 
I took a lot of crap on that, and I'm very, I'm very happy about that. But, you know, it was a controversial pick for a lot of reasons. A lot of people said, why would Sean Payton go there is the first thing. And the second thing is, why would, why would uh, they give up draft picks for Sean Payton? So it was controversial, but I just thought it made too much sense uh, to, to pass on a, a – a, this is one of those coaches that comes along only every, like, five to ten years. Why did it make sense though? Because of because of because of his uh... they they there's two things I think that the Denver Broncos have, it's it's been proven when they bring in an experienced offensive coach they have had their biggest success and historically uh, Mike Shanahan was an experienced coach he had coached the Raiders um and uh, Gary Kubiak had his time with the Texans and I think when it when you get like there's certain organizations that offensive coaches just are part of the the fiber of the organization like San Francisco and Denver they come to mind and I think they've gone down this assistant route with the defensive coaches one too many times already and this was a team that they brought in an inexperienced coach and I think I I think you saw what happened there was not just there was so many problems they couldn't take a chance on an unknown quantity so they had to go get the best known quantity out there I'm Denver just has Sean, not been lucky in their, in their selection. So I'm, I'm, they've been I, terrible I mean, I, with their selections. That's why I like, I like Sean Payton a lot. I think, I think if anyone can turn around that organization, I think it's him, but I'm, I'm hoping, um, you know, if you're a Broncos fan and I don't happen to be, I'm pretty indifferent to the situation, but I'm hoping uh, because I am a Sean Payton fan that he can kind of write the ship a little bit and make them. Cause I think when Denver is a good program, when they're a program, when they're a good franchise uh, and they're competitive and especially with Kansas city being as competitive as they are. And with the other teams in that, um, in that division, I think it makes for a better, I think it makes for a better AFC and I think it makes for a better NFL. Agree. I agree. I mean, they have one of the biggest TV and radio markets too. Sean Payton is a stone cold killer. He was suspended for paying players to injure other players on the other team. Okay. He and paid a price and paid a heavy he, price for that too. Yeah. Fine. But he still did it. He'll yeah, push he did, the he I don't, it doesn't excuse it. He's going to yeah. change. Yeah. He's going to change the mentality on the team. They asked him, he had a quote today, I think, or yesterday. They asked him who he was rooting for in the Super Bowl. And he says, the Eagles, 100%. I don't want anyone in my division winning anything. It's just a different mentality. The draft picks thing is interesting, but they seem to be wanting to throw draft picks around a lot there. So they obviously don't care about the draft. And I'll be honest, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. I don't think it's a bad thing. So if you get rid of the draft picks and then you want somebody that wants to come play for Sean Payton in that situation, that that may overcompensate the draft. You know, it's a salary cap. Good players have to go to other teams. Um, So I, I don't think the draft pick things is important. Um, as it could be. I mean, right now, you like the San Francisco 49ers next year are going to have to decide between Brock Purdy or Trey Lance. Top pick in the draft, last pick in the draft. That, that pick didn't matter, obviously. So we're going to get to find out which one's which. And who knows? I think Trey Lance is a stud. I think he could be the guy, but yeah, he hasn't proven it yet because he hasn't had a chance to really play because he got injured. And Purdy, Purdy played excellent. He's going to get a shot. So you look at you look at giving away draft picks. You can draw people in by a change of mentality through free agency. Now this is where the problem comes in: is that they paid friggin' Russell Wilson like a billion dollars. So 
you tied up a bunch of stuff. So Russell Wilson, I'm going to tell you, has got to play. And I, I'm not knowing – I don't know if he can. I think Pete Carroll knew something that nobody else knew, that he was done. And he didn't have it anymore. And we just saw that he didn't have it. Now he's going to have the first Sean time Payton. a thought went through Pete Carroll's brain. Yeah. <laughs> but we're about to see. But it wouldn't shock me that Pete Carroll did something shady and like, oh, this guy's great. This guy's great for the whole year. Build him up. Build him up. Hate to see him leave. Hate to see him leave. And it's like, dude, get out the door. I'm going to show you what I can do with Geno Smith. Um, you know, so I, I think Russell Wilson's going to have to play. And if Sean Payton can get it and get it and get him back to where he needs to be and if he's able to do it, they should be in a good spot. And there's going to be people there. So I, I think it's a good move. Um, I, I was a little surprised that it was Denver, to be honest, because I honestly didn't think they were going to suck this year. I picked them to be playing in the Super Bowl against yeah. the Buffalo Bills. If you recall. Everyone thought that was a great move with Russell Wilson. There was no one was who thought that was a bad move when it happened. I didn't think it was that the great, co- and I didn't think it was bad. I This bad. The, like, coach, the coach that got fired did not expect to get fired at the end of the season before the season started. Okay. He wasn't like Russell Wilson's coming in his mind. He's like, this is going to be, this is going to be a nice run. You know, Broncos country, let's ride. That was the pitch. They didn't ride. They didn't go anywhere. And then it opened it up to a guy like Sean Payton. So, you know, Russell Wilson's going to have to be the key there. If not, they're going to have to try to figure something out. But yeah, is Sean Payton, I'll answer this question about you. Is Sean Payton the, a long-term solution or are they looking to, are they looking to ride a short wave? Here's what I mean by this is, is he a hired gun to write the ship and then he's going to be done or um, like retirement or something else? Or is he the next Mike? Uh, is he the next Shanahan of this franchise where he's there for a decade? Coop. That was that for me. I'm asking both y'all. Um, I think I'm, I'm 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 sending it to you, Coop, because you're the one with the prediction on this. So you've got a feeling and a thought on it. Here, here's the thing: Sean Payton will have a short leash. He'll get they'll give him a pass year one, year two. He's going to have to produce some serious results, right? And if he produces those serious results, I think he could stay there as long as he wants, right? But if not, it could be a, a uh, it could be a shorter end. This this part of me now. Look, I think it was the right move to bring him in. And I think they could certainly limit him. But there's part of me that reminds me of the Jimmy Johnson scenario with Dallas in the 90s. And, and I want to bring this up where Jimmy Johnson, remember, he got uh, fired from the Cowboys and he went into TV for two years and he waited for the Dolphin job to open. And he got back into the Dolphin job. And I think he actually liked t- he was actually very good on TV. And I think he when he got into the coach job, he missed TV a lot. And ultimately, he ended up leaving and going back to TV for two decades. I, I actually wonder, it seemed like Sean Payton really enjoyed doing TV. So the question is, does Sean Payton get back into the rigmarole of coaching? And we're going to see that in year one, for sure, if, if he's into it or not. So, But I don't see Sean Payton coaching until he's 70, is where I'm getting at. He's, I think he's like 59, something like that. So I see yeah. him five years maybe there. Um, Max, but that's enough. That's enough. I think that's enough. Yeah, I think Sean Payton likes doing Sean Payton. You know, I think he likes. He's 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 got a great. Um, whether you like it or not, he's got a great presence about him. He's he's cocky. You know, in 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 a in not not an overtly arrogant way. 
You know, he's just kind of black and white in the way he says things. He's honest. Uh, he's a good soundbite too. You know, he'll, you ask him a question, he'll answer it. Um, but he's kind of, he's kind of in the way, you know, the way that he approaches some things, he's very Belichick, like in my opinion, Nick Saban type, you know, the way he presents himself is, is kind of like that. So I, I think he's, I don't think he's going to be the next Mike Shanahan. Cause I, it's, cause I think Cuba, I don't think he's going to be there that long. You know, I think he goes in, has some success over five years, wins 70, 80 games, hopefully maybe a Super Bowl. Um, you know, I think the goal there is a super, is definitely a Super Bowl or two. If you get one, then you try to go for the next one. Right. But I, I think he's going to be out of there by the time he's in his mid to late 70, 60s for sure um, and done doing something else because he, he's got that personality. I mean, you imagine him on when Jimmy Johnson – Jimmy Johnson's a great example. He retires and you put Sean Payton on there. Yeah, you know, I got to tell you, I'll give you a Sean Payton fact here. So, you know, he was with the Giants for three years as the OC. Mm-hmm. And he he was the OC for a terrible New York Giants head coach named Jim Fossil, who was the biggest boob. Ever. Like he was a, he was in that same category. Terrible coach. He got I know he got the Super Bowl, but that was because of Sean Payton's play calling. Right. But. Jim Fossil took the play calling duties away from Sean Payton in his last year with the Giants and fired him after that year. And he went to the Cowboys. So, I mean, I always wondered if, because I was hoping that Sean Payton would eventually be the successor when they, the Giants came to their senses with, um, with uh, Fossil, but we ended up with Coughlin, which then turned out great. But, but yeah, actually Jim Fossil took the play calling away from Sean Payton. It's hard to believe that. Uh, but then he went up to Parcells with the Cowboys, and that's led to the Saints job after that. Well. And well, and then, he, you know, then he gets Drew Brees, and you have a generational talent. So I, I think he's a really good coach. I think it's going to be a good fit but, but, for him. It, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I, I uh, Next year is going to be a re- – I don't think it's going to be instantly that they're going to win, like, ten more games. He's got to get <laughs> you know, them, like, like that. yeah, eight and nine, you know, respectability, you know. I think if they if the, if the, if they're a better disciplined team, you know, better organized, he gets them to eight and nine. Um, that then he's gonna have then then the next year the pressure is gonna be on. But you know, I don't think he's gonna go in there and do a four thirteen season. Is what I'm saying. I don't I don't see that happening. I don't think so either because that that offense is way too good. Minus the defense Russell is good. Wilson the defense like is still very good too. Yeah. yeah, I mean they got two of the best wide receivers in the league. You know, top twenty players in terms of that the position. Um. The running backs are good. The line's okay. Um, but, you know, Russell Wilson was part of the issue for sure last year. And I don't know if it was all coaching. So we'll find out. So, again, coach is a problem. You take care of it. Now it's got, now you got to identify what the actual issues are. Cause, yeah. you know, Sean Payton is a good coach. So yeah. you're going to have good coaching. So yeah. then if we're not winning games, then we don't have the right players. Yeah. And I want to mention too about Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson okay. Um, for a second, this is, I want to just say some of the guys that Sean Payton, okay. Guided first up is Kerry Collins resurrected Kerry Collins, career in New York as the offensive coordinator, right? Kerry Collins, a lot of people thought was done. Kerry Collins was resurrected him. Then he goes to Dallas, right? And he actually, he actually gets something out of Quincy Carter. And then eventually he's the guy they, Parcells has said this. He's the guy who said, go after Tony Romo, you know, Tony Romo. So, Tony Romo, a lot had to do with, you know, Sean Payton again with that. And then, you know, with New Orleans, a lot of people were telling New Orleans, don't touch Breeze because he was coming off that injury with the Chargers the year before. 
and he took the shot on Breeze, and, and look what happened there. So what I'm saying is Sean Payton knows quarterbacks very well, and I believe that he wouldn't have even entertained this job if he didn't believe he can he can do something with Russell Wilson. Uh, yeah, certainly. I mean, and that's not wrong to think you could. I mean, Russell Wilson had has had a great career, so I I, I don't know. I, I if he can't do it, then Russell Wilson's the problem. So we're yeah. about to find out what the real problem is. We'll, uh, we'll see. I mean, I guarantee you Russell Wilson's going to be yeah. running laps in the next few weeks if he's not already. Yeah. Yeah. But I guarantee you because I blame Nathaniel Hackett for letting Russell Wilson get come into camp the way he did. I mean, out of shape like that. That That's the head coach. If the head coach didn't see that and do something about that early, shame on him. Yep. The um... – the Bron- I'm done with the Broncos, man. They were okay, so let, gross let, to watch this year. They were yep. so gross to watch. It I know, was so they, upsetting. I, I really, and, and, and not upsetting for me because I don't care, but I, like it really should have been better. Like it, it sucked to have a Denver's Bron- a Denver Bronco game on and be like, this is going to be a trash fire. You know, like I don't need to be to not to shut the game off because it's going to suck with a Denver team is that's that was not fun. Like I said, the NFL's a better the NFL's yeah. better with a better with a with a Denver franchise that's relevant. Yeah, I mean, it re- really is. They're they're an elite franchise in this league. Yeah. Uh, I mean, great history. They're, yeah, there are franchises I don't like, you know, and uh, there are franchises that I'm indifferent towards. The Broncos are one of them, but like, it's you know, it like you you just can't you can't. You can't put up. You can't put out a, a team like that. You can't. You can't lead a team like that. Yeah. And uh, and I look. I I've I haven't necessarily been in a Hackett apologist. I I mean I think he caught. I think he got um, what he deserved in a sense. You know. Um, he, he put was. out. He put out a bad. He put out a bad team, and he he couldn't. Uh, he couldn't produce things with an all pro quarterback. I mean, even a, a halfway decent season. And so, like, I think he deserved to be fired. I I think. I think he's. I know you. You think he's a laughing stock, Coop, but I think he. I think he's a good assistant. I think. It, it's, I think he's very much. I think he's very much in the camp of like the Patriots coaches that we've been talking about. Oh, they weren't able to do stuff at the helm, but they're good at. They're good at their role. It's a. He's a great example of a guy who built a good offense up in Green Bay, um, but that doesn't qualify you to be a head a head coach. Um, just because someone that I hear this, I see Dan Quinn with Dallas, right? I don't. I don't think Dan Quinn should ever be a head coach again after after what he did in the Super Bowl it was a disaster. And never the team never recovered after that. I just think there's certain guy, and there's nothing wrong with being a great assistant coach. Uh, and maybe and I wish him well on the Jets. I mean, um, good luck with the Jets, is what I'm saying. But you know, but uh, but I I agree. On you know, that. And another thing too with the Bron- the Broncos ruined at least four primetime games for me this year of where I was looking forward to watching football and then they just ruined it, uh, you know, <laughs> and, and, and that was, that that's unforgivable as a football fan. Cause I said, I'm a little bear. I'm indifferent to what they do. Um, unless they're playing a team I like. Right. But to, to be like, okay, there's a Broncos game on tonight. I'm going to get to watch this game. It's a, it's a decent matchup. The Broncos are playing. It's going to be something fun to watch. They ruined it. It's like, I'm not a bills fan, but every bills game, I was, it was must watch football for me. Josh Allen, you you talked about Josh Allen's style of play. To me, he's the Brett Favre of this generation. That big, lumbering, like guy who can move, who plays with just plays with zero, zero fear. Man, he just chucks the ball, and and he you know he's great at it. Cries, 
sends dick pics at retirements. Yeah, dude, he's totally a Brett Favre for sure. Yep. yep. Fries in the middle of the field after 18 retirements. I can't stand Brett Favre, dude. I know you love him. You're a Packers guy. I can't stand that guy. Oh, <laughs> yep. man, he's brutal. It's okay. Coop can't, can't stand him either. It's yeah. like... All right. And then this is a good segue into our next question. Where does Aaron Rodgers play next year? So is, do we, San, you know, we, San we, Francisco. We, he's he's going to go into a period of darkness, fellas. You know, does, does he, gonna, uh, yeah. I'm that's what he announced. Me. That's what he announced. He's going to go into a period of dark. Dude, listen, man. I like Aaron Rodgers is a Aaron Rodgers is a character, man. I think he, I he is. He's probably one of the most entertaining like just personalities that, that people, he just rubs people the wrong way. And, and I think people take him too seriously. I, th- I think people take him too seriously and they need to acknowledge the fact that a, he's an elite quarterback and he like, just enjoy watching him play and be like off the field. Like he is just, he is a weird cat, man. There's just no way to fucking say it. He is weird. He's the character, man. He's something out of a fucking movie. He's not even a cartoon character because, you know, that would just, you know, require to him to have a little bit more lovability. And he just doesn't have it, man. He just, he's just weird. Uh, and he, he's, he's, he's unapologetically him. And, yeah. And he got, and I think it really pushed it into the, the mainstream with the COVID situation with the alternative, uh, alternative inoculations or whatever. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I, which, am, which, am I way, immunized? Yes, way, I am. Yeah, well, but by the way, now it doesn't matter, right? So all this time it did matter. It doesn't matter now. So, you know, whether you think he was right or wrong, he ended up coming out that, that you know, where he's at, that's fine. But it became more at the forefront of how weird he actually is during that time. But he is violently entertaining to hear, to listen, talk. The podcast, when he does Pat McAfee's show, the podcast is violently entertaining. And what he means by this period of darkness is he's going to disappear, go do some hallucinogenic drugs and like figure out what the heck he's going to do next. And I think what he's going to do is end up on San Francisco or he's going to end up in Las Vegas. So, and I, yep. And that's how there was a time. My next question, who's going to quarterback San Francisco. So you kind of answered that already. Um, that's good. But I, I, want, I, mean, I think he's a, I think he's a Packer. Uh, see, that's what I was going to ask, Bear. You, I think he's. I think he. I think he's. I said. I think he's a Packer as well. I think he's going to say Packer. I think he's. I think he's a. I think he's a. I think he's a Packer. Um, he is not going to go to the Jets because Nathaniel Hackett now is the OC. I. I don't see that. No, he's not going to. No not gonna, way. He's going to the New York bec- Jets. No, it's because not, he he has spent his entire career defining himself as something like he spent the first half yep. of his career showing that everyone that he was not Brett Favre. The last fucking thing he's gonna do is do a Brett Favre, Brett Favre. Move and go to the Jets. Like that's just stupid. Like that's not gonna happen. And if he wanted, and he's smart. He's 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 not unintelligent. He knows the Jets are as silly and stupid as we do. Yes, like he gets that. He understands that's a joke of a franchise. He he fully grasps the same thing that we do when we're like, this is the Jets being the Jets. They find a way. He knows it, and he can't work around them being who they are. I pick San Francisco because I think he wants to go win a Super Bowl and he's certainly not winning one in Green Bay. And the best team in the league without a elite quarterback is San Francisco. You you don't think he can win a Super Bowl in Green Bay? Absolutely not. If they, if they see and here's an interesting thing I was gonna say. 
I don't think the coach is the issue as much as I've been all over LaFleur the last few years, right? If Aaron, if Aaron Rodgers wanted Matt LaFleur gone, he would have been gone already. So I don't think this is a case where he's looking to get out of the organization. So I think he could play for this coach. Um, but yeah, I don't I'm, think he dislikes him. I, think I don't he, think he, I think dislikes he actually him. does get along. Well I think him. he does too. I mean, I know there was that one issue on the field, but I think I just take that as heat of the moment more. more. Yeah, I, yeah. I didn't take I, it as a friction with those guys because the floor would have been gone already is what I'm saying. We saw Tom Brady yell at Bill Belichick on a sideline. That's just, that's just, that's just competitive. Parcells, yell, Parcells and Phil Sims would go at it all the time. I mean, it happened. Exactly. It happens. So I, I don't put much into that, but I do think there is something for legacy about, Staying in Green Bay and and you know Green Bay's problem is the defense. If they can get some of the defense straightened out, um, I believe you could they can win. They can get. They I don't know if the coach. Is, they should have never let Mike Petton go. He yeah, they should, they, well, I think they should change the coach, but that's another story, right? And it's another, we won't talk about that tonight. But I don't know about the San Francisco thing, guys. I mean, I don't think that's a great situation he wants to go into in San Francisco. I like the San Francisco pick over the Raiders pick. I'll say I'll disagree with John I, on that I, point. I, I, I don't see him going to play for McDaniels. I just I don't, don't, I don't. I don't see it. I, does, he go, I, does he go to Tampa Bay? No, the team's like, not good. No, the team's, not, team's good. not good. The, the Raiders, are not, the Raiders aren't good, though. The Raiders aren't good. They're better they, they than got the, well. It's Adams. it's one it's they, one they it's one guy. That's the, like it's the one guy. Like yeah, I think I think you have the 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 one point on that, John. That where I think John's right about that is like he does have his old his old part. But here's the here's the thing. I think I think Rogers and Brady have this in common, in the sense that they make they make good players great and great players amazing and. Neither one of them really had unbelievable players. And that's, it sounds like I'm really knocking on Devontae Adams. I think Devontae Adams is the, probably the most elite talent at receiver that, um, that Rogers ever had. And that's saying something considering he had like some really good one, Donald driver. It was an amazing receiver, but like Donald and he was a great player. I loved him. I loved watching him, but Donald driver is not, Jerry Rice. He's not Randy Moss. He's not Tim Brown. He's not Andre Reed. He's not in that. He's not uh, Marvin Harrison, right? He's not in that upper echelon of receivers. Uh, he's not a Hall of Famer, right? He's just good, very good. And when you have a quarter, you have quarterbacks like Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, you become elite, right? And so I think that I think that the 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 re the reuniting is attractive to Rodgers, but I think. But I think he's seen what's gone on in uh, Las Vegas with that organization. And I think he sees not quite comical like the Jets, to your point, John. But I think it's it's I think it's it's almost there. Like it's almost at that level. I, I like the San Francisco pick. I think well, I think there's some I think there's some there's something there. It's a weird thing because in most cases, when you pick a quarterback at three, right in the second year, you're under a lot of pressure to play that quarterback. Right. But he's coming off injury, and the team's coming across basically as if they had a quarterback, they probably would be playing in the Super Bowl. But does Rodgers want to go there with Trey Lance in the background? And I think Purdy's out of the picture. I hate to say this to folks. He, I, I don't even, I don't think he'll take the field next year. I think if anything, so they'll sad. put him. They'll what put him on it. What they'll do is they'll put him on a reserve list so they don't lose him. But I don't think I think you know. But I, I think they're going to try to play Trey Lance at some point next year. 
Um, if they, especially if they don't get an Aaron Rodgers. How bad is the injury to Brock Purdy? Like, do we know? It was a bad UCL is a bad injury, from what I understand. He the fact he came back in that game was 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 a miracle. I know well, he, he didn't throw the ball. He, I mean, he couldn't throw I, the ball. Here's the thing. So the injury he had is like right here on your elbow. And it does hurt. And you can still throw the short passes. You can say you can see him throw a little. You can still throw it because he's just essentially just dumping it, right? So it's all wrist. Like I can throw the ball 10 yards with just my wrist, you know, and a little bit of arm movement and take that out of it. With all the modern stuff going on, that's not going to like end his career in terms of being able to throw a football. However, you're going to have a quarterback battle going on next year unless you have somebody like Aaron Rodgers that steps in, you know, or an elite talent that comes in, which, by the way, I think they're going to go after it because Trey Lance is still young enough now that they can just set up behind him, you know, and put a guy behind him and, you know, maybe even move him, move him somewhere. Who knows? But the, the same situation, if Rodgers wants to play four, three or four more years, he's going to be in a similar situation, even if he goes to another team that he is with Jordan Love. Uh, but I, I mean, I, it just feels like he's done in Green Bay. But the, the fact, the thing is, you never know if he is or not because he is weird. So he could be acting like he's completely done, and then something triggers it right, and he stays. So I don't know. I, I the best situation for him is San Francisco. The team's ridiculous. Best running back in the league. Crazy receivers. Great defense. Good line. Cap space. Um. Garoppolo is going to end up in Tampa and yep. I just think it's the best situation for a, an elite talent, like a, like in a Rogers. I mean, it's the best chance for him to win a Super Bowl next year. Where's Irish. McCaffrey? Where's McCaffrey go? Oh, he'll stay. He's staying in San Francisco. Man. He'll stay in San Francisco. Yeah. He'll stay okay. in San Francisco. Yeah. And that makes, that makes it a lot. That makes John's pick a lot more attractive, I think. Um, but, but if they don't, I mean, San Francisco really- is better. San Francisco is better. If you take away, let's say San Francisco doesn't has no quarterbacks and Green Bay has no quarterback, so they go out and play a game with no quarterbacks. San Francisco wins that game ten times out of ten against Green Bay with no quarterback. All right, you throw Rodgers on the Packers with any quarterback except maybe Tom Brady with Purdy or Trey Lance, the Packers are going to win that game. Okay, you put you put Rodgers on San Francisco. They beat the Packers ten out of ten games again, in my opinion. All right. So yeah, no, I I I I can go along with that. Maybe not quite ten out of ten, but it's yeah. damn close. Like it's enough yeah, to where I'm not gonna. Well, it's not. It's, num- it's enough where I'm not gonna fight you. Yeah, I'm not gonna fight you. Yeah, on right, it. Um, right. If they played, if they played one game and Aaron Rodgers was the quarterback with that existing Tamp, that existing San Francisco team, we would all be picking San Francisco to win the game. You could say that <laughs> the true of almost any franchise, though. All right. So let me ask the question here. Let's say Rodgers doesn't leave Green Bay. What does San Francisco do next year? Carney thinks it's Trey Lance. I don't think they will. I think they'll, you know what I think they'll do? You you just said they were going to, you did. I think he'll get, I I think Trey Lance. Well, okay. They'll play him. Right. But I think they'll bring in a backup veteran is what I'm saying. Oh, so you think you, you said you thought Purdy was done. Yeah, Purdy's Purdy's not going to Purdy's not playing. Okay, so Trey Lance is the only option. But they'll bring in a backup veteran quarterback and guy I'm thinking about, Nick Foles, Baker. Oh, shut the fuck up, dude! What a disaster, man. He look, he played well. He did all the right things in L.A. 
All I'm saying is that they 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 gotta have another quarterback on that. Yeah, roster. he did all the right things except win. Well, that team was again. The team is a dumpster fire. They're, they're gonna need uh, a backup way, veteran I, in there. Way, I think they do play Terry LA, so. I don't think LA can afford to get rid of Baker Mayfield. I don't know what if, if they're gonna be in a positive spot next year. I don't know if they're gonna have. I think Baker Mayfield might start the season. Can they afford to get rid of him? I don't know. Stafford won't be ready. I don't know. Okay. I, I just think that you can't go into Trey Lance and not have a backup veteran. That's what I'm saying. I think they do play Trey Lance because there'll be pressure. But I, I think they'll I'm, have someone ready. I'm just shocked to the amount of, the amount of airtime that we've given to Trey Lance. I don't see it. But what do you do? I mean, you can't, you know, it's hard to give up a number, th- like to give up on a number three pick of the draft when he got hurt the whole year. I mean, they he that, played well. He played pretty well in the moments that he, that he played. He just was in the only reason he played because he was injured. He was injured. Right. I think he had a good training camp and stuff like that too, um, but I think they gotta have a backup veteran behind him because Purdy. I don't think Purdy's gonna be ready to go, and I don't think they're gonna you know, take a. I don't think they're gonna take a chance. You with know who'd be a great backup? You know who'd be a great backup? Jimmy Garoppolo would be a fantastic guy for them to have around. <laughs> it, but that, that, yeah. <laughs> he was set. I mean, he was set up for. I mean that. I yeah. mean that's the way they had it played yeah. out. Daniel Jones. I, I just. I don't think. I, I hear what you're saying, Coop, about the what they what where they picked him and everything like that. And and injury aside, you you have you. I wasn't egg, I, I wasn't Lynch, wild about egg the on his face with this one. If he, I wasn't wild about the pick to begin with. I'm going to be honest. I didn't think no him one was. Justin, no one was. I don't think him or Justin Fields are 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 good. I mean, or have longevity in this league. Let's put it that way. That that's not that's not fair. They're 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 top yeah. they're to, they're top notch professionals. I just yeah. think. You know, yeah. as I said, I'm going to settle the issue. I'm going to settle the issue for you. Aaron Rodgers is going to go play football in San Francisco. Trey Lance and Purdy aren't going to matter. Trey Lance will be the backup. This is the Carney prediction we're going to go with here. Oh, so shit. this is Carney's. You know, Carney's usually right. So I know that's why I'm saying shit, so man. He's very that's... confident. He hasn't waffled on anything I've thrown at him tonight. So, oh God, I want you to be wrong, John. Yeah. Okay, so who who who? who it's the Jordan Love. It's Jordan. It's Jordan Love era. It's Jordan Love season, baby. It's Jordan yeah. Love season. If that happens, yeah, they're not going to yep. bring in anyone. Yep. Yeah, I mean, they'll, maybe they'll bring in Josh Johnson to be a backup or something. Shut up, dude. God, just kill me now, man. Jesus, that was unnecessary. That was totally <laughs> unnecessary. Uh, and Brett Favre could always come back. He'd be better than Josh Johnson. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, all right, let's turn to another question here. Will the New York Giants return to the playoffs next year? Why not? They had a really easy schedule the first 10 games. That's where I'm going with that. Their defense showed Martindale did a great job with the defense. What, what he, It was chicken salad out of chicken shit with that defense, though. That defense does not have playmakers on there. Do the Cowboys and Eagles both repeat their success? And the answer is no. I'm going to answer it for you. One of them's one of them's not going to re, one of them's not going to play have a, as good of a season as they had this season. I don't know which one, but one of them won't. If the Eagles win it, they won't. They'll have they'll have hangover. So I, so for the for the for the Giants to make the playoffs again, the NFC self has to be as awful as it was this year. And I don't see that being a repeat. No, I don't, I don't see. I don't see an eight nine team 
winning that division next year. I think it's going to be a team with a winning record, which <laughs> means the other teams are going to be better. Um, so th- for that to go down, I mean, there's a number of things that can that go on them having make it, but for that to happen, to have three teams from that division going into the playoffs, that means one of the divisions has to be a complete dumpster fire, and I don't think the NFC South is going to be as bad as it was last year. No, I think the Panthers season. will be better. The Falcons will be better. I'm not sure about the Saints. Um, I think they're in some trouble. Sorry, the Falcons will be better. I think they they showed some. St- they they showed. Well, they can't be much. They can't be much worse. I mean, well, that's true. Still, still I guess, yeah. worse. Yeah, they I think they be, but, they have a I mean, quarterback even, problem too. Even if there's five, if even if there's just five more wins in that division this year, the Giants don't make the playoffs. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough with that but schedule. I think I, I, their biggest issue they have is the Eagles are going to be really good again, and the Cowboys are going to be really good again. Um, so I think they could make it, but they, they they have to have the NFC South has to be a complete dumpster fire again. Listen, yeah. I've look, I've been in this town for I've been in this town for twenty years, and I've been in the state my entire life. With the exception of the '90s run, the Cowboys do this, man. They go and they have a great season, and then they come back and they have a shitty season, and then they have a couple of average seasons, and then they have a good season, and then they have a shitty season. It's it's the Cowboy way, man. And that's why I think it's the Cowboys. I don't think it's the Eagles. I was given the benefit of the doubt saying one of the two won't be good, but I think the Giants, I think the Giants are easily a nice, are, 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 you know, it's not the worst prediction in the world of saying the Giants will be a second place team in that division next year. No, they got to get some, they got to get better on defense. I mean, they were completely, well, it's, sure not gonna be the, it's not going to be the commanders. So, yeah, but they were completely exposed in that Eagles game with the defense. I mean, it showed. They just didn't have playmakers. They had no playmakers. I, look, and I think as much as I still think maybe they should move on from Daniel Jones because I think he had a career year, they're going to resign Daniel. Daniel Jones is going to be quarterback in there next year. I, I'm, I'm resolved with that. There's, there's no doubt in my mind he'll be the quarterback. They go out and get Jimmy G. <laughs> they're not going to do it. They're not going to do it. They're not going to do it. Uh, the only time I remember them ever going after – two times they went after free agent quarterback that I remember – Terry Collins, which turned out to be great, and then Kurt Warner, which he took a very unique role with, with that. He he knew exactly, you know, he was going in there, basically to mentor Eli, which was a really interesting move. But they, that's typically not the Giants' way to go out and sign a free agent quarterback. So they usually they, they'll stick it with Daniel Jones for the next few years. I think Daniel Jones is good. He's fun to watch. Look, I, I think, had, I, think, I, think co- I think he got great. good coaching. He's he got, co- yeah, and they got well. They also got a good offense, and they've got some young guys that weren't on, you know, that were on the team this year that were injured, um, that are coming, that are young, that are really good players. They're, one of their top receivers in the in the preseason was this guy, Andre Miller. He was the only dude that did, like, anything yep. uh, in the preseason. He got injured, and he was a rookie. He was, he was playing tight end. He's, like, probably 6'3", probably, like, 240. And um, coincidentally, he's from Maine. But uh, he's going to be coming back and giving a shot. So, I mean, they they got some good players, and Daniel Jones was good. I I was impressed with how their offense played. Um, They were a really good team, so I I wouldn't be shocked if they made it in. They're going to have to beat the Eagles and the Cowboys to do it uh, because, as I said, the the odds of them having a division that just refuses to win football games is is not – the NFL is not designed that way. Very rarely. Remember, it was like two years ago where nobody wanted to win a football game in in their division. Yeah, like the Eagles couldn't win. 
the, the, the commanders refused to win games. The Cowboys were freaking 500. The, Eagle the Eagles up. were 500. Yep. So they were the dumpster fire that year, but it doesn't repeat. You know, very rarely do you have a whole division that's just garbage. Two years in a row. Multiple years in a row. Yeah. Remember the uh, NFC, the NFC West one year was like that with, I remember like it was the Seahawks won it at seven and nine and the Rams were six and 10, something like that. So, and then it doesn't happen. So I agree. I think you're going to see a change with that um, for, for sure. You know, the other thing just kind of I'm watching closely is uh, Mike Kafka is the offensive coordinator. He doesn't call the plays. He's apparently really being considered for the Arizona job. Uh, he's definitely a finalist for there. Um, well, I don't think it's – the play calling was Dable, but I think Kafka did a lot with uh, with Daniel Jones this past year. So that's the only thing that concerns me a little. But I think Dable – who Dable earned the title Coach Dable in my book this year. I don't call you Coach unless I like you. So I, the last guy I called Coach was Coughlin. So um, I think, you know, I think – but that's yeah, something to watch. We'll, we'll see. But uh, we'll see. I hope you – I hope uh, – I hope some of you guys are right on that. All right. Uh, before we get to the big game, a couple of things. Let's just go. Um, as far as the season goes, surprise teams, disappointments that you guys just want to mention? I, the Giants. I mean, we talked about the Giants, obviously, but yeah, I think there were. I think there were some really cool stories this year. And the, um, and the Broncos, yeah. Um, you know the. I think the thing that stands out to me is just even though you know Carney was saying that the like Buffalo wasn't as good as everyone thinks they thinks they are, I I, I think they're a really entertaining team to watch. But I think uh, Cincinnati showed a lot of grit getting back into the position they did. They had some. They had totally, some, totally, yeah. They had some really nice. Uh, they had a really nice comeback. Um, and um, I mean. Dude, I mean, how about your boy Doug Peterson, man, in Jacksonville? What a I mean, job he did! Yeah, what a what a job! To take over a dumpster fire, like you know, as much as we talk about Dable, the situation in Jacksonville was worse. I mean, there's been there's been two handfuls of coaches that have tried to clean up Urban Meyer's messes. The only time it's been successfully cleaned up is by Ohio State, and that's because they're a recruiting machine. OK, yeah. Everywhere else that he's left and screwed him. It's been awful. He I mean, he leaves it in shambles. And uh, yeah, Doug, Pete, that that Jaguars team was probably the biggest surprise, especially since it didn't start out great. But it, it they, they're really good. They just happen to win football games. It, you know, but Trevor Lawrence is a stud of an athlete. Um, I, I would say the biggest disappointment for me wasn't necessarily the team, but uh, as a whole, but I think Cliff Kingsbury got absolutely hosed in Arizona and yep. And they, that was the biggest shock to me is I didn't think I was surprised he got fired for the way that the season was supposed to start. And then Kyle, I had them in the Super Bowl. I had them in the Super Bowl. Yeah. They, They should have been, they were the biggest disappointment is what I expected. I'm indifferent to them as a team. Kingsbury got hosed. And then I, I was shocked at how bad they were. Between between Arizona and Tennessee, they lost 14 games in a row. They lost seven games in a row apiece. Unbelievable to end the season. Like yeah. and, and you know, Vrabel's a good coach too. I think that's a, a part that's a Belichick assistant has has done decent too. 
I think he's probably a really good coach down there, but he had a bad year. He's going to be on a short leash next year. You know who I feel sorry for the most is Justin Herbert, the Chargers. This kid is, I think he is an unbelievable talent. I love watching him play. He gets hurt and he gets hurt in that game, uh, that game in the middle of the season. And he really doesn't, you know, you know, recover to, you know, to peak health. Yep. And then to to boot, they just fucking hired Kellen Moore to be offensive who, coordinator. Who will be the next head coach of that team? I'm predicting he will be the head coach of that team at the end of next, if, especially if that team starts mediocre again. He will. He was. I believe why he left the Cowboys was not so much he was fired. I believe that Cowboys knew he was being courted, and I think he has probably been told you're going to be uh, considered for the successor. God, what an awful decision. I. I'm not a Kellen Moore guy at all. Shocker. He's under like 50. So, yeah, of course you are. But he's not very good. Of course you're against old people. I forgot. My favorite my favorite coaching hire of the year, simply for just the I enjoyment love of it. I love Bruce He was old. But a great coach. Just because, I, just because I watch a lot of AFC football, uh, AFC East specifically, the hiring of Mike McDaniel. I love that hire. Bites. Dude, he's amazing. Uh, he, he He's great. He's he's just really good. I, I enjoy it. It's fun. Uh, it's great to have him in Miami. It was great he's to have a team nerdy guy as a coach. I like oh, it. He was awesome. He was he was just awesome. He was he, he was one of my good, favorites. And did, a good, of the year. did a good job. And did a good job considering. I mean the the concussion thing. I think he did mess that up. But you oh. know he you know. But that's what happens when you bring in a guy with no experience as a head coach. It was an organizational failure, top to bottom. Man, he's in that. I'm not giving him a pass. Yeah. It was an yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying it's his fault, uh, but there's people that that report to him and people that are above him that that, that represent that, him because he's yep. the base doctors. And, and yeah, stuff, so yep. yeah, that did not it did not look good. It didn't look. And good. by the way, I think that was the same doctor that like they they punctured like Geno Smith's lung or something at one point in time, or Tavares Jackson or one of those guys got like a lung puncture. So they got like crazy. They, that, it the optics of what happened to Tua this year was just terrible. And it was bad. It was ugly. It was gross. And yeah, that totally mishandled. Not saying it's his fault, but you're right, Barry. He doesn't get a free pass on it. Yeah. No, he does. He doesn't. You know, uh, another team and Bear is going to hate me for saying this, but the Seahawks surprised a lot of people this year. Uh, the development of Gene. I always thought Geno Smith, by the way, was a good quarterback. And actually, I, when he was with the Giants, he got put in a terrible position with that Eli thing, right? I thought, and it, and he ended up not staying there because I think it was a mess. But I actually thought the game he played when he when he when he played when Eli was benched, he played good. Um, but I still think you got to give the Seahawks some credit there. They they were expected to be four and thirteen this year. They they were not expected to be a good team, you know. And they they kind of they definitely uh, showed some progress this year. Are they going to roll with him next year? You think they roll with Geno oh, Smith next they're gonna year? Roll, they're going to roll with Geno yep. Smith. Yeah. They're going to roll with him. I think he's so by the way, so when I'm His, for anyone watching, when there's a gap in my talking, because I usually don't shut up, is I'm watching the Lakers game here off to the side on my computer monitor where LeBron's going for uh, the scoring record. Yeah. So right now he's at 20 points. Yep. And uh, that'll be probably where he's at at halftime. Interrupt it when it happens. Yeah, you can interrupt when it happens. Yeah, yeah. And then and – then, uh, I, mainly what I'm doing right now is I'm watching Russell uh, Russell Westbrook brick every shot that he shoots. <laughs> so Why I know this isn't shoot? a basketball show. 
Why is uh, yeah, he? Yeah, well, because there's nobody else on the because there's nobody else on the court to shoot right now. They brought Schroeder in, so he's now yeah. Uh, yeah. he's now taking the shots. Yeah. yeah, he's going for uh, Abdul Jabbar's record. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yep. he's gonna. It's twenty points. That was gonna happen this season tonight. No, it's gonna. You know, look, uh, we can get into the whole LeBron James thing. That guy can play basketball. I know it is. I know it is. Jordan debate. Rumor. <laughs> look, look, I know it is this Jordan debate, but look, I'm gonna say LeBron James is one of the greatest players of all time. Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, no, without uh, question. Yeah. I, I, without I think question. you know different eras too. Um, you know, Jordan, Jordan did it from the backcourt. LeBron, you know, from the front court. It, it's yeah. It's, um. All right. So before we get to the big game breakdown, let's get into our presidential trivia segment. Um, and that's sponsored by. United Cigars. Um, <laughs> oh boy! Uh, the, so coincidentally, think, tonight was also the uh, State of the Union address. So yeah, very fitting to be playing the presidential. Yeah, my, my screen on, crashed. Uh, my screen there, crashed. Yeah. There's a there's a fun fact about uh, about the State of the Union and uh, and uh, Super Bowls. Sort, well, sort of presidents yeah. and Super Bowls, which yeah. I know we're going to get into. So yep. Yeah. But let me. Yeah, I'm sorry, my uh, my screen crashed with the uh, sponsor read. Uh, and of course, our presidential segment is brought to you by United Cigars, featuring Gargiano Havana and distributors of Jose Dominguez, Bandolero, Garofalo, and the highly acclaimed Atabay and Byron, and now Alfonso. Buy United, Smoke United, Live United. So, John, in this segment, it's a presidential trivia segment. You could participate in it, but the idea is my job is to stump bear. Okay, so we've done 15 of these, okay? And I've thrown the kitchen sink at Bear with these questions. He's gotten 13 of the 15 right. These are hard presidential questions. I think tonight's a little bit of a softball, though. I'm going to throw him. But I always say that, and then I'm surprised. Um, so the, so we are, we are going to tie this to the Super Bowl tonight, okay? And the question is, and Bear, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure I don't want you to, I'm – I'm not trying to throw you off here, so I just want to make sure – after I read it, you're on the same page. What president, it could be either be a former or sitting president, right? Someone who was out of office or in office, was the first to appear in person at a Super Bowl for a coin toss. Mm -hmm. So what president, he could be a former president or one that was in office, was the first to appear in person at a Super Bowl for a coin toss. And that in person is very important. Right. Okay. All right. So I have one little I want to have one little side piece of trivia that I think is really cool, considering that the State of the Union was tonight. Uh-huh. This is the night of the big game show, right? And uh, LeBron's going first streak and all that other stuff. Did you know that um, when Ronald Reagan was inaugurated, it was on the same day as the Super Bowl? No, was it, he got inaugurated on a Sunday. Yeah. So that was in January. That, that, right. so that, was the Eagles, in January? that was the Eagles Raiders game. Yes, I remember yeah. that. Yeah, it was the Eagles Raiders game because I remember watching the pregame. Yeah. Isn't that fucking crazy? Like the president, like that yeah. would never happen today, right? The, I mean, the Super Bowl has become a national holiday. Well, it's, moved, it's moved into February too. Well, so. yeah. I mean, forget the time. I'm just saying, like, it's a it's a national holiday, and like, like. There's no way the government is competing with the NFL, and there's no way the NFL is competing with that too. Like, I mean, it would be like a very much oh, like Fox someone... would do it. Fox would do it in a heartbeat. They'd tie the whole Americana <laughs> thing. In. You know that they would do that. 
Well, I guess yeah, I guess you could have you know one in the AM and one in the PM, right? You know, that's why I think they. But I don't so. think they'd want that. To your point, no, I, right? And, and 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 I don't know. The NFL wouldn't move the game. Well, it doesn't. It doesn't matter because the Super Bowl is in February now, so the date doesn't matter because the president gets inaugurated right. in January. True story. So it, True it, story. it's never going to happen ever again. Yeah. True yeah. Story. I mean, I think we have better have a, chance of the. Uh, we have a better chance of the State of the Union. I mean, being a conflict, from, but from what I understand, the NFL eventually wants to move. The Nobody Super watches Bowl. the State of the Union anyway. <laughs> from what I understand, the NFL wants to move the Super Bowl eventually to President's Day weekend. I think that's the ultimate. I've heard this for years. Yeah, no. Yeah, Goodell wants to stretch out the NFL calendar yep. to take over th- three. I mean, it's already pretty much 365 day yeah. coverage, but he wants a true, a true 365 they, uh, day yeah. event kind of kind of structure, man. Everything, every every month there's something going on with the NFL. Um I, I mean, remember I remember the Super Bowl used to played the week after New Year's. I mean, I remember that that's when it used to be played. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, anyway, so to your question, Coop, so I just want to make sure I understand what president okay, could be a former was in attendance for the coin toss. Is that right? In person. Okay. In person. All right. So uh, Bill Clinton's Super Bowl parties were legendary. It's not Bill Clinton. That's not the answer. See, this is where you screwed up, Coop. Because look who you had on as a guest tonight. John Carney, who's a avid Patriots fan. Mm-hmm. And we've spent years on this show talking about the lore of Tom Brady. And Tom Brady's lore started almost two decades ago in Super Bowl 36 when the heavily favored Rams fell to the Patriots. So you'd think I would know something about that game. And the opening coin toss was done by George Herbert Walker Bush, the first Bush, who was not in pre- he was not in office, but he was president of the United States, and he was accompanied. He was accompanied by one Roger Staubach. That's the answer. John, do you agree with that answer, or you disagree? You want to challenge it? You're muted, John. I was researching. I was researching during the conversation and discussion, so I'm tainted on this. So I do know the answer. So I can't concur nor not concur because one of those would be that I know the answer. So, um, so I'm going to let Coop go go with you know I'm going to let Bear go with what he goes with. Yeah. Um, And uh, and I think you might be right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Bear, you're going to 14 and two. You have nailed that 100 percent. Uh, was George uh, Bush, a.k.a. George Herbert Walker Bush. After he was in office, um, he did the coin toss with Roger Starback. Um, so that is the correct answer in person. Now, from what I understand, Reagan did a coin toss virtually or via phone or something one year. That's why I was key to say in person with that, because Reagan did. Mm-hmm. I think Reagan did one over the phone. Obama was the first one to attend a game, attend a Super Bowl. Obama? Mm-hmm. It's actually yeah. said. It's actually said. Like, yeah, he was yeah. actually present. Yeah, that's correct. So, that's correct. That, so, I thought this was a little bit of a softball, but you know, I didn't know. You know, it's. Uh, I thought you might say Obama or something like that. So, um, but yeah, through, no, the, through the through the wrench in there with the former thing. I if you hadn't qualified it, I, I would have said Obama, and I would have gotten it wrong. Well, and uh, and, and, I, and I was worried you might say Reagan, and that's why I didn't want the Reagan answer. So I was looking for a specific answer with that one. 
Yeah. Um, Clinton threw legendary Super Bowl parties. Like they, they talked about that all the time. I, I remember uh, uh, he was actually was one of the Super Bowl parties was actually featured in Time Magazine. Yeah. Well, you remember? Yeah, that? yeah. And Ep- Epstein, Epstein was his party organizer. Yeah. I bet he was. He didn't kill himself though, John. <laughs> but you know, um, you know that um, Clinton would go to the NCAA basketball championship the year uh, the years Arkansas was winning. Those were his first two years in office, and he was mm-hmm. at those he was at those games and at the final fours and everything. So I remember that was a big deal when Clinton um, when Clinton would go. So yeah, um, you know, I knew we were going to do a lot of Brady talk, so I did some Brady prep on this coop. I got to be honest with you, I don't know if I would have got. I, I I I'm not sure. Um, if I would have, if I would gotten this answer, you, you got it. Not done some Brady research. You got it though. Like okay, I can see maybe with the Rogers store, I think, but you did get it. So it doesn't matter how you got it. Um, you got it. Well, just in the in the interest of transparency and integrity, you know. Just wanna... I, oh yeah, there's your integrity is never questioned on this. So. I mean, some of those questions I've thrown, this I think was actually an easier one compared to some of the ones that, like, well, we had to have you name, like, 14 states or something like that. The 14 states of one of the presidents or something like that it was crazy. That one was hard. Holy that, shit. That was man. Jay Davis who threw that question in there. That Well, and that was, and he asked me the question about Rhode Island because that was the last one I got. Yeah. And you had just been, and he asked, he asked me later, he's like, if Coop hadn't just been in Rhode Island, would you, do you think you would have gotten it? And I, and I told him flat out, I said, I don't know. I don't like, I, I, I honestly, yeah. looking back even on it. I mean, we went through the process of elimination pretty hard that night. Like it was like, it wasn't a snap answer. Yeah. Like it was a, there was a, it was a journey. <laughs> it was a process. <laughs> All right. All right. So that was our presidential trivia segment brought to you by United Scars. All right, so let's get to the big game. And John, if you have to cut in for LeBron, let us uh, feel free. But um, it's it's uh, yeah, it's it's halftime right now, so we're good. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this out there, just my about this game. I think this is gonna be an epic Super Bowl. I think this is gonna be one for the ages. We're gonna see this year. I really do. Um, I think the Eagles haven't really been challenged in the playoffs, but they're really good. Um, you know, so. I think that uh, Kansas City was back, you know, at their elite form that they were a couple of years ago. But I think this is going to be one of the, the great ones. I really do. Some people are not excited about this matchup. I'm thrilled about this matchup. I think it's going to be an awesome game. Um, the Eagles are really, really good. I'm a Jalen Hurts fan. Um that, that offense is is excellent. The upgrades they had in the offseason at the receiver spot where they were already strong anyway is really good. Um, they're a really good team. They're sound. They're great. They're really good at every position. The defense is good. The offense is good. The quarterback's got a great head on his shoulders. He, he's going to be an elite quarterback in the league if he's not already. Uh, I think he's. I think he should be the MVP. I don't think he's going to win it because he had some injuries at the end of the year. Uh, but they they played the best all around football, and I hate the Eagles, man. I hate them. I hate them. I can't stand Philadelphia. Um, but they're they're excellent. They're a really good team. And on the AFC side, with the Chiefs, they're equally as good. I think the Eagles are a better team than them all around. But they they've got Andy Reid, as weird as he is. They got Andy Reid with a guy like Mahomes, which is generational situation. 
Um, and it's just really hard to match that. But I, I said, yeah, people that are bored with the game, you're just bored because you it, it's the same people complaining unless it's their team that's in there. Like, oh, I'm not going to watch the Super Bowl. I'm not going to do this. Then don't do it. Like, but you're you're posting it on Facebook. So obviously you care enough to like let the world know exactly. That I, I don't say care that. about the game. Yes, you do. I don't care if you don't care about the game, then you wouldn't post about it and you wouldn't watch it. Just like no one so reads you, you your cigar reviews. Yeah, no one reads cigar reviews. No yeah. one cares about ratings at the end of the year. They all do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone cares, and the ones that post it are the ones that care the most. They're just being bitter for whatever reason. I think this is an awesome matchup, and it's man, the Eagles. That's the one reason why I was so upset about the NFC championship game was that I, I wanted that game. That game should have been great. It should have been an awesome game. It should have been just as good as that second one. The second game was, if not better. Um, and that's what I think we're into with this situation. Now you've got people that say, I'm not sure about Mahomes' ankle. That was three weeks ago, four weeks ago. Now that he had the sprain, he played on it last week. That's uh, already the last game. He said two weeks. He's going to be perfectly fine. He's going to be back to 100%. Unless he gets hit on the ankle again and has another ankle sprain. But I, I, the ankle's not even a concern. They're going to talk about it in media is to make it that build up. Yeah. The, the ankle's are relevant. Mahomes is coming in full strength. That team's coming in at full strength. The Eagles are coming in at full strength. It, it's the two best teams in the league this year overall from not just nobody got lucky this year. It wasn't like somebody snuck into the playoffs and they got lucky. And it's really the two yeah. best teams that are playing against each other. I'm even gonna say this, John. Andy Reid is is a quarterback guru, and he's always had good backup quarterbacks throughout his career. And I think it, for some strange reason, if Mahomes gets hurt or can't play, I think Chase Daniel is going to do well in the Super Bowl. I really do. Um, Andy Reid backups do very very well historically. If you look at over the years, for the most part. So I don't think that will be the case. I think Mahomes is going to play this whole game. But, you know, like I said, I think it's going to be a tremendous, tremendous game. You know, what people don't realize, again, because I kind of follow the Philly sports scene close, and uh, that when it comes to this Andy Reid factor against the against the Eagles, this is huge in Philadelphia. This is like, you know, they always had a love-hate relationship with Andy Reid. You know, and he, he, they, they, they hated him, and, he, you know, when he, when he got fired, when he won the Super Bowl, they were all happy for him that he won a Super Bowl. Because, you know, he coached there. And now, now it's like, now we got to get big, bad Andy Reid, you know. So this is, this is like, for the Eagles, the only thing that would be a bit bigger in a Super Bowl match would be the Cowboys. And they can't play the Cowboys in a Super Bowl. So um, this is big. This is a big game for the Eagles. Make no bones about it. Fair. Fair. I'm, I think it's fascinating that the, the spread is so small. You know, I, I get that these are the two best teams in the league this year. I get that they're, you know, um, that they're, they're two good teams. I'm surprised that the line is one and a half. What should it be and who should be favored? I, I mean, I, I mean, I think it should be a little bit. I, I mean, it's not like, like a landslide. We're not talking like seven points or anything like that, but I think three, you know, three and a half in favor of Kansas city is not out of line. You know, I, but I don't think they're that much. I don't think they're better than them. You know, like I think this is a pretty close matchup. Well, and Vegas three and a half doesn't take you, it so. to a crazy thing. 
Yeah, but it, so I think it opened up at like two or two and a half uh, when after the championship games. So yeah. I, I don't know. I think it's. I, I thought it was three and a half. I think they're almost I mean. dead. On. Yeah, it might have been, but I think they're almost dead on. And we'll see what happens with money moving around. You know, if it changes leading up to it, but I, I think right now it is. I think it is that close. You know, I. I when I make my pick, I'm going to make my pick based off of how things happen in my life. Uh, so it's going to have nothing to do just with football. But I, I think it's that much of a toss-up. I think they're – I really think this is going to be a great game. And you said Coop won for the ages. I think it's going to be a really good Super Bowl. I'd be shocked if it wasn't. I, I, w- I would be too. And I, I don't think this is going to be a video game Super Bowl. And I don't think it's going to be a big – you know, I thought that defensive struggle with the Patriots and the Rams a few years ago was a great Super Bowl, by the way. I like that. But I, don't, oh, I, don't I enjoyed get, that too. I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, just great def- There was just great defense in that game. But it's going to be somewhere in between is what you're going to have. But I don't think you're going to have like 90 points put up between the two teams either. So yes. Yeah, so, all that being said, I I um, I like Jalen Hurts as a person. Um, I love his story. I think it's great. You know what he how he's emerged. Um, you know as the starting quarterback for the Eagles. Um. I do like Andy Reid as a head coach. I always have, you know, he's, and I, I mean, he, he came from the Packers. So I've always kind of had a soft spot uh, for him. I think he's, he's battled through perseverance as well. Uh, did great things in Philly. He's done good things in Kansas city as well. Uh, I, the Eagles defense is, is the, is the, um, is the, is the, uh, I guess the the wild card here. And what I mean by wild card is it's the, it's the, it's the one thing that I think people are talking about, like John is a little bit, but I don't, I think everyone's talking about the Hertz Mahomes matchup and everything or the, and the, the Andy Reed playing against his old team storyline and stuff like that. I don't think enough credit is given to the Eagles defense. Oh, and, I don't either. And they were maligned by the media this year, that defense, they were calling for the defensive coordinator's head and Sirianni came to the backing saying, this guy's, done a great job with the defense. He's one of the best defensive coordinators in the league, and the kid's going to be a head coach. I mean, Sirianni was really – when the media went after him, because that's what happened when they lost a couple of games. They went after the – that's what they do. They go after the – you know, they go after the coordinator, quarterback, or the coach. They went after the coordinator this time. And and I know you're going to force me to make up head coach, so I will, but I, I'm gonna tell you, I'll tell you this, that if the Eagles if, – if the Eagles hold Kansas City under 24 points, I think they win. I don't think they will. And I'm going to take Kansas City. Wow, you got a score? Yeah, uh, I think I think you're right. I think like I don't think I think it's going to be a higher scoring game. I don't think it's going to be a 90 point like sprint uh, or anything like that. I think we're talking. Uh, it's going to be. I think it's going to be 34, uh, 34, 30. Interesting. But if Mahomes get if Mahomes scores if Mahomes offense uh, Mahomes led offense scores more than twenty four points, they're winning. If they hold them under twenty four, they're losing. Period. And I have a lot of Eagles. I have a lot of Eagles fans friends that are going to be really pissed at me. But I'm telling you, that's your that's your that's your key to victory. And if 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 twenty four points or less uh, is the number sitting next to Kansas City at the end of the game on Sunday, you will be winning. You will be the victor. Interesting. That's an interesting one. John, you want to go next? There's, there's not. 
I started, I picked me, I made my pick before we started talking about it. So what numbers wouldn't impact it, what other people said, but there's not a fan base that is more insufferable when they win anything than Philadelphia's fan base. Um, they're also <laughs> equally as insufferable when they don't win anything. Okay. Which is more often than not. However, just despite me, Philadelphia is probably going to end up winning this game. And I agree with bear the defense that defense is, I don't think they're underrated because they're in the Super Bowl, but Jalen Hurts gets a lot of the attention because of, of A.J. Brown and uh, uh, Devontae Smith and, and all of that stuff. And, you know, I think Jalen Hurts is a, a future elite quarterback if he's not already in the league. So I, that defense is going to be the difference for me. And I don't think Kansas City's offense – is as good as they were with a guy like Tyreek Hill. I think they got a lot of good stuff going on, uh, but I, I think because the Eagles are going to spite me, and they're going to, and I'm going to have to deal with all the Eagles fans being insufferable for an entire year until someone else wins. <laughs> I'm picking, I'm picking the Eagles in this game. Um, I'm picking them 34 to 24, and 24 was the number I picked because I think if it goes over 24 for Kansas City, they're going to end up probably winning the game. Uh, because that means they're they're really dialed in. But I, I'm going 34, 24 uh, Eagles in this game. So I'm the tiebreaker here. Um, so let me get a couple. Things oh, about Barry, that. you picked you picked Kansas City. Yeah, yeah, but we picked 24. Oh. The 24 is the magic number, though. Yeah. So you, actually, you yeah, and I agree. You, but yes. you and I agree with yes. this that if yes. that that if it's 24 or less, the the Eagles are winning. So you. You I and agree. I agree. Yeah. Um, let me say this. When the Eagles played the Giants all year, I had to deal with Eagle fans the whole year. Okay. Now, I do have a soft spot for the Eagles and the fans because I lived in the area for a while. It's the one team I, I'm not a fan of, of the Philly teams. Um, and I believe me, they were talking, most of them talked a lot of trash. But I, after the Giants game, I got to say, most of those people said to me, Great season, uh, good season you have, nothing to be ashamed of, uh, great game. You know, all the right things they said, you know, believe it or not, there are some, and, and it, was, it was more than, there was some that really surprised me, actually, they said it. So I didn't really, they, they, they didn't really kick us after, they beat us three times this year. They, they were the better team by far. But, you know, they, they, they there are some good Eagle fans, what I'll say out there. Um, and I do have a soft spot for them. I don't agree with the 24-point thing at all. Uh, I'm uh, not to say I disagree with it. I just, it didn't enter into my mind when I made this. I just see this as a really tactical game. It's going to come down to coaching. It's going to come down to penalties, um, th things like that. I think it's little things are in there. And in the end, I think, it's, like I said, I think it's going to be a very close game. It could even go to overtime. I don't think it will. Um, but I'm going to go, I'm going with a 31 28 game and I'm going with the Eagles. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to say that Andy Reid's going to do some sort of a Andy Reid blunder, you know, and, and cost them the game is what I'm going to say. Uh, like he'll, or there'll be a stupid penalty that comes late in this game that goes against the Chiefs. And that's going to be the dip. This is going to be, a, like I, said, I think this is going to be a really good game. There's going to be a lot of plays made. I think you're going to see great moments from both quarterbacks, Hurts and Mahomes. I think you're going to have just great quarterback play you're going to have in this game. And, you know, say something, look, you know, Hurts, right? What a job they've done with him, right? Because if you remember, you know, they had the three quarterbacks out of Oklahoma, Baker, right? 
he goes first in the draft. Then Kyla goes first the year after. And they both have pretty decent starts to their career. And then they both tailed off. Jalen Hurts wasn't even supposed to be a starter. He did get drafted in the first round late, but he wasn't even supposed to be a starter. And, you know, they made him a starter. Doug Peterson, actually. He's been undervalued his entire career, man. He's been, and, but, they built, but they built him into a complete quarterback. I mean, it, that's why I know the OC for the Eagles is getting a lot of uh, buzz for head coaching job. Like, like they were, they did a great job at working him. And he, he, if he doesn't win the Super Bowl this year, he will win a Super Bowl. I also think he's going to be the, an Eagles quarterback for the next decade. I think this is, I really do. I don't think you get Eagles. The last time they had a quarterback for a decade like that was really uh, McNabb. 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 Yeah. 20 something years ago. So um, I think he's going to have a McNabb like career, you know, just, just a great career. And I just think it's, I think it's going to I posted, I just posted our picks on Facebook. So we'll have a spot where we know what happens and we can follow up with it. uh, And certainly after to see where we, uh, where we went. Absolutely. So yeah, I think it was, uh, we, we went Eagles in the majority here, but, but, but I, I, it's not that I disagree. It's a 24. I think what you guys are saying about the 24 points, Makes a lot of sense. I just didn't. It didn't enter into the way I was picking, is what I'm saying. So I don't want to say I'm. No, that's sure. not going to happen. It's, it's a very. But I think I just think it's going to be so close, and it's going to come down to something of penalties or coaching or time management. That's where I think this is going to come down to. And I just count on Andy Reid sometimes in these big spots. He that's where he's shown some weakness in, in past, not in recent years, but you know he has a long history of those types of things in the playoffs. Well, I think I think it. I mean, because I mean, if there, there's two people that I know who are really great at predicting things, and I'm talking to both of them. So if you guys are picking, you know, the Eagles, I'm I'm probably uh probably listen, a lot listen, farther off, farther uh, off than I thought. Kansas City <laughs> can win this. Like, this was a tough pick for me to make. So, um, you know, got like Kansas City is a really like. You know, it's funny. John and I were on the dojo show at the start of the football season, and I said Kansas City was going to win the AFC. I thought they were going to be back. I, I wasn't a big Buffalo fan. And then we both blew it. With, like, he picked Denver, and I picked Arizona. So we both have had well, our Well, own. Denver couldn't be in it. That was that was more of a, more of me being uh, being being trying to get the dojo verse to vote for my freaking epic cigar company list I made. Oh, and they just missed. Yeah, they just missed it that night. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it couldn't be Broncos, Bills. They're in, they're all both in the AFC. But uh, soccer. Well, they I, have I, to put I, a I soccer this, rule in. Yeah, but uh, yeah, but for this was for this, it, it was. I, I think the Bills were kind of a disappointment for me. I thought they, I thought they were going to be a bigger talk in the playoffs, and they ended up not being. They just ended up not showing up. Um, so I, you know, Kansas City, I shockingly. They finished fourteen and three, right? Like I, I, I didn't. The way that season was going, and the way that it it, it felt, it wasn't like this was going to be a fourteen and three team. And they turned out to be a fourteen three team, and they're playing the best football. So, uh, you know, it's not shocking. There was, I, it, that's why I said that this pick for me wasn't just based on, just based on what I think is going to happen. You know, or the performance. I, I'm expecting Philadelphia to spite me. Like this is this victory is personal. If they win, it's personal. Like, you know, like that they're going, they're doing this despite me personally. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. The, uh, the, I don't know. It's like, you know, I, I just, the fear I have is that they lose this game. There'll be people jumping off the Walt Whitman bridge. I mean, honestly, oh. they, 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 it will be, 
it will be catastrophic if they lose this game. Yep. Like an Eagles, mm-hmm. like if they lose it 31 28, they'll be calling for someone's head. Trust me, they'll be calling for someone's head in Philadelphia. It will be it's going to be mayhem, win or lose. It's just the type of mayhem is going to be different. Like it's going to be mayhem, meltdown, total meltdown either way. You know, I just remember when Doug Peterson went there too. And I know we talked about this on the show. Like he was like a maligned quarterback. He was run out of town. He was booed because they were playing him and they weren't playing McNabb. And for him to go back and win that soup, Doug Peterson is loved in Philadelphia today. Like he, he, he will never have to buy himself a dinner in Philadelphia. He's already said he, he doesn't have to buy dinner in Philadelphia. I mean, so, um, but Sirianni's pretty popular. People like him. He's got that Philly blue collar, mentality you know to him you know people like him he's a he's a likable well, guy that they're in the super bowl that that's yeah. a real likable thing so that helps well they they liked him we'll they, see what happens by, when they don't by the middle it. of his first year he was well liked is what i'm saying so yeah. you know when they lost a couple games this year that's why they went after jonathan gannon the uh the defensive coordinator they weren't going to go after sirianni you know if the team goes eight and nine next year they'll go after sirianni but but not not now So, the, you know, the over-under for points, I was surprised was a little low with 50. I thought that was a little I low. I see. I got 50. 51 is what I'm showing on uh, ESPN. I still think that's low. I still think that's low. I think, like, 55 probably would have. I, I have 59 total points. I think you guys have 58. I have 64. I have 64. 30. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. 64. You said you said 31. You said 31, 28. So you're at 59. 59, yeah. I got to go change. I, I accidentally copied and pasted wrong. So I think I got to go in. I think I accidentally put down 32 to 28 for you. So I'm going to I had 31. Right now. I had 31, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, who, who would have picked the number 30? Oh, I put it down right. There yeah. we go. Yes, you're 59. I'm 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 58, and you're 55. So I think we're all we all think it's going to be over over 51. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely going to be over 51. I think that's low. I I thought it was. I thought it was very low. Yeah, I mean they're giving a little more credit to the defense, but I think like I said, you got some playmakers on both teams. Yeah, and and they're going to make plays. Like I think this is this is not going to be a defensive battle in the sense of a low scoring game. Like this is, this is going to be a defensive battle because the defense is going to have to make one stop for all, for either of us to be accurate with our, go with our scores for the most part, except me. I went with a 10 point differential, but you know, realistically the defense is going to have to make one stop to, to win this game. Yeah. Like I said, I think people will be glued to their sets in the fourth quarter. And I think a lot of that scoring is going to happen in the fourth quarter. In two. I think you'll see like a couple of touchdowns, maybe three touchdowns total by both teams. I, I think you'll see a lot of the scoring happen later in that game, too. Like I could see them going into halftime, maybe at like 14 14 or something like that, or 10 10, or, you know, not 10 10, but might get maybe 14 to 10, you know, something like that. So I think it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. All right. Do we want to get into great things that are happening here? Bear? Absolutely. Okay. So so this is our great things are happening here segment. And as always, it's brought to you by Tobacco USA. Makers of iconic brands such as Monte Cristo, Romeo Julieta, H. Upman, and Eating Room Cigars. Tobacco USA, great things are happening here. So, John, this is where we do good news things, right? Bear, I'm going to go first tonight just because I want to kind of keep it tied into what we're doing. 
and, okay. and I picked something about Tom. I, it's not really Tom Brady, but it's Patriots related. And I don't know if you saw this um, come up uh, in the last day, but Robert Kraft has announced that he would offer Tom Brady a one-day contract so he could retire as a Patriot. That is not an uncommon thing we see in the NFL, by the way. Joe Montana when did sports. it. sports. Yeah, sports. When sports, yeah. yeah. Joe Montana did it um, after he retired from the Chiefs. He signed with the Niners for a one-day contract. And I, I think that would be a gr- – I know that there's maybe there was a little tension when he left, but I got to give Robert Kraft credit for extending the olive branch there. And I really hope that Brady accepts that, and and that's the way he does it. And so I'm, I'm, you know, I think it's it's, it's a great story there, um, to do that. And he said basically, not only do I want it, our fans are clamoring for it, and to us, he has always been, and has always been, and has always been, and always will be a patriot. So we will do everything we can in our power to bring him back, sign off as a patriot, and find a way to honor him for the many years to come. He did so much to bring life and good cheer to our community. He's a beloved figure, and he earned the respect and love of the people. Uh, and they feel for him like no other athlete in our town. And we've had some great ones. I, I, I think it's a great story. I think it's a good thing. I think yeah. that'll be if it ends like that. I think it'll be a beautiful thing. I hope he accepts it. I, I think if he doesn't accept it, he may come back. <laughs> that's what I was wondering. Yeah. Like, that's... Once you accept that, then you are really like it's finality there. He could always he could always do it like right before the season, like you know, make some pomp and circumstance about it. Yeah, they, yeah. He, he um, it's a, a couple of unique things. So, uh, Bill Belichick went on Tom Brady's podcast with Jim Gray and Larry Fitzgerald that he does this week. He was on as a guest, and they came in, and Belichick was Brady got choked up. He was like in tears, you know, he had tears in his eyes. Belichick was telling about how Tom Brady, he goes, Tom Brady is the Patriot way. Uh, you are the greatest of all time, the greatest competitor I've ever seen, the greatest I've ever worked with. I mean, he lauded him. Um, you know, he left. Brady didn't leave on bad terms. He left because it was a business decision. The team sucked. He it, wasn't going to be able to win. Right. It's they not a bad be thing. Able to commit to him. It, it, it was because he wanted to stay there. But realistically, the way it happened, he had to go if he wanted to win right off. And the Bucks were the best team to go do that, obviously, because he did he did when he did it and won it. Um, so whenever he's ready to finalize it, whatever the situation is with his retirement, he's going to retire as a New England Patriot. He's going to sign the one-day deal. So it's going to be crazy pomp and circumstance. It's going to be... They're going to do it on a game day and to be like, we brought Brady back. You know, we brought Brady back home, blah, 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 blah. And it's going to blow up. It's going to be huge. And all the haters of Brady are going to say he's a narcissist and that he's all about him and this and that. But um, it's huge. It's going to happen. It's going to be a big deal. But the reason I bring this up, the the Belichick thing, is the Patriots are being a first-class association uh, organization with this. They did it immediately. They didn't wait for the season end. He announced. Robert Kraft comes out, says what he does. Belichick goes on the podcast, says what he says. 
I mean, that's what he deserves. Brady deserves for what he did for that organization, what he did for the Patriots. Uh, he's certainly 100% going to sign a one-day contract. He's going to come back as a Patriot, and and they're going to make a big, big, big deal about it. Retire his number immediately. Uh, the whole thing. Everything's going to happen in one big swoop. I've heard some talk about retiring the 12 number from the NFL at some point, too. I actually heard that. I hate I don't that. Think, I hate that. I hate that I hate too. That. I don't. I don't. I don't like that they did yeah. it with Jackie Robinson. Not that I don't think I, Jackie Robinson deserved the honor, but I think there were other ways you could do it. Is what I was saying. I I I agree with what you're saying. Generally, I hate retiring of numbers league wide because I think yeah. that's ignorant. It's got to be just, you know, like if you want to retire the number eight and the number twenty four in L.A. because Kobe was there, great. You know, LeBron James has played for a hundred teams, so they got to pick which ones are going to retire his number. But you can't retire the number 23 just because of Jordan. It's retired in that franchise. Retire number 12 in, in New England and don't retire in other places. That's crazy yeah. to me. Yeah. Um, so, hey, unique Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is actually in the audience tonight at the game, which is interesting. Oh, that's great. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting yeah. to see if he, if he passes him tonight, if, how they interact after, because they don't have the best uh, – personal relationship they don't hate each other but they don't really have a personal relationship uh but but no it's retiring his number nation you know league-wide is absurd uh by the way lebron's got 30 points so you know, this is going to happen I, soon i hope LeBron... but listen what i was saying the jackie robbins thing is completely different not even on the same strategy. Uh, my, my idea my reason, idea was yeah. to put a jackie robinson patch on every uniform that's what i think they should have did with that um, just got to think it would be honor for someone to wear his number. But I was always saying they should have had a Jackie Robinson patch on the uniform. Then every uniform has that. That was kind of like my idea. Instead, it's like, I do think Jackie Robinson deserved to be honored. I I like that they bring it. I, I like the way that they do it with Jackie Robinson. I like the fact that nobody wears the number anymore except for on Me Jackie too. Robinson Day. Then it's, it's, it's all about what yeah. it, it it's Jackie a completely Robinson, different discussion than Tom yes, Brady. Yeah, it's not even it's not even it's not even I agree. It's a different circumstance. as a Tom Brady lover, I would love if the NFL retired the number 12 just because of him. That would be hilarious. And I would love it. I would everyone would have a meltdown. It would be amazing. (laughs) Yeah, they would. (laughs) John would have so much fun with all the haters. Um, Yes. So so bear. Yeah. Why don't we go to your story and then we can kind of do the final segment with John. And maybe during that, we'll have the. The LeBron update. Yeah. Um, uh, well, my, my story, you know, my story definitely is, 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 is got, is, is, is uplifting in a sense, but it's also got some tra It also has like some real tragedy to it. So, uh, an elderly uh, Belgian man was able to meet the descendants of a neighbor who saved him from the Holocaust after his perseverant son and a helpful geneticist managed to track down the grandchildren of the people that saved him. So, uh, the meeting was actually organized in the same house where a five-year-old David Rossler was hidden along with his mother. He's now 85. Rossler had a chance to thank the the grandchildren uh, for what their grandfather, uh, George uh, Berlade, had done. So Mr. Berlade lived in, um, in uh, Brussels with his four children, Paul, Jacques, Anne-Marie, and, and Christian. Uh, together, they gave shelter to Rossler and his mother towards the end of the war in 1944, after Rossler's uncle and grandfather had already been seized and sent to Auschwitz. So um, there's too many of these stories in history of people um, that saved 
you know, people who are persecuted during the Holocaust. And it's just, it's an absolute tragedy, but it, it, this, this reuniting it to me, it, 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 it has special significance for a number of reasons, but I, I think, you know, this is a generation that's dying. He's 85. He was five when this took place, right? He's 85. Now the, this, this generation is going away and, and unfortunately, that we've we've distanced ourselves from a horrific time in history that far uh but it's also it is also a shame at the same time that it, we are just we're so far gone from that that uh that we don't have any living proof of the tragedy that was the holocaust and i think that's the special significance about it but i do think it's uplifting in a sense that like you know you know his he he wouldn't be here he, you know, he, you know, at 85, you know, he he probably has his own children and grandchildren, great grandchildren, even maybe, and they will they will have children and children and children. The 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 Rossler family will continue to live on because of the the kindness, the bravery, the courage of the Burley family, and it's it's a it's a fantastic story, um, and the fact that it, you know it actually took some took some digging to, to actually find it so it then that it was actually able to happen it's 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 beautiful so in that sense that was apparently he tried for, yeah apparently he tried for years to find uh a roster son lionel had tried for years to find a family that actually that that his father and grandmother had been saved you know saved him and uh and uh luckily we live in a time with social media and uh and some pretty cool science and uh, was able to track down uh, Anne Marie's son, uh, Xavier, who is the, who's the gentleman that he met up with in the house where he was uh, hid from uh, the Nazis. This reminded me bear. There was a story. What's that story is a book that was written. A diary of Anne Frank. Mm-hmm. It, it kind of had touches of that in a lot of ways too. You know, the whole hiding thing and everything. Yeah, I actually, yeah. Well, there of... was a book. There was a book too called "The Hiding Place." I don't know if you ever read that. Mm-hmm. Uh, growing up, we I've read that one. It. I uh, have the hiding read... place. Was... Yeah, it's. I mean, there's just there's too there's too many of these stories, and there's again there's. You know, a lot of these people have been lost to to, to time and history. You know, and 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 you know there were a lot of brave souls like the Borlay family that did that put their lives on the line. Some lost it tragically along with the people they were hiding and some were successful in saving some lives like the, the, the Burley family was. And um, yeah, no, the, the diary of Anne Frank that you're that, that, Oh God, that's just, yeah, it's it. Oh God, it's so horrific. And the only one to survive out of all these people that were in hiding was, was his, was her father. Yeah. And um, oh, it's just horrific. Um, yeah. But you know, as more time passes and we get further away from that tragedy, there's a, there's there's these people are going to be dying. Uh, you know, and obviously their families will live on, and that's 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 the legacy that we need to celebrate. But at the same time, it's it's um, it it's sad in a sense that we won't have any living reminders of that time. Because they're living reminders of 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 how far we've come, you know, in, in, as a world society, right? You know, like I know there's a lot of 
there's a lot of angst and uh, divide in this country and in the world too. So it, it's not just mutually exclusive to the United States. There's a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of divide in the world right now, actually. And, uh, um, you know, you know, we, we've, we've always say how history repeats itself. And, and my, my, my deepest fear in my lifetime is that, uh, that, something as horrific as the Holocaust could repeat itself again, because history has shown it to repeat itself. And that's, that's terrifying. Right. Um, and we've seen examples after the Holocaust of, of horrific things uh, done to people all over the world, you know, Africa, Russia, you know, the list goes on and stuff, uh, Cambodia. Um, but it, you know, it, this is a, this was a time, a period of time and a, subject matter that was at the very forefront of, 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 a, of a world war on top of it. So it, it, you know, as time goes away from it, we, we, I hope we don't lose sight of it. You know, uh, yeah, I don't, I'm not going to drag it down too much, but I want to just kind of speak a little from my family's experience with this. Cause my dad was Jewish. Uh, his family came over at the turn of the century from Russia and Poland on each end. But, you know, my, my parents were married only 20 years after the Holocaust and I was born 22 years after the Holocaust. And, um, you know, there was a big, there was such a big, even though they weren't a part of the Holocaust, it affected that family a lot because there was, uh, that was a big movement to preserve the faith. You know, my plan was I was supposed to be brought up Jewish. Um, and when my grandparents died, that, that plan changed. But, uh, but my grandparents had a lot of influence with that. Um, and a lot of it was due to, you know, and I've heard my mother tell you know, who's not Jewish, she kind of understood that, you know, this whole idea of what, what they went through, it affected everyone. You know, you didn't have to be a, a Jewish person in Europe for this to affect it. You know, it, it was a part of the life. And, you know, it's hard to believe that I was part of that era only 22 years afterwards, um, because 22 years ago today is 9-11, which feels like yesterday. So it's kind of interesting just kind of from my perspective and what a horrible thing and how it affected families, you know, to that point, you know, it was amazing. You know, I'm just kind of amazed by it. But that was our great things are happening here segment. Uh, so good job there. Uh, John, how are we with the scoring? Uh... So LeBron was just down for a two-minute break. So we're two minutes left in the third. He's got 30 points, and he just checked back into the game. And now he has 32. <laughs> so it's getting close. How many does so, he need? You're getting very close. Yep. He needs 36 in this game, so he needs four more points. Okay. So we're getting pretty close. Feed I him wanted, the ball. Yep. I wanted to wrap up with um, – so just one thing. As far as our contests go, um, we didn't do a contest tonight, but there will be a contest, tobacco or SA contest, on the web. I just didn't get the prize piece uh, in. We were late getting the last contest closed out. So that, but there will be a tobacco ASA contest that will follow this up. So, um, let's go. Um, so John, I wanted to wrap up just with some general talk on LFD to, to kind of wrap up, um, the year, um, or wrap up the show. You guys had a really good year. Um, you guys got some votes for company of the year, um, in our, in our voting. So definitely there was, there was actually Aaron Loomis was actually pushing for you guys for company of the year. Um, so you know, you guys were recognized as one of the top companies. Um, I, I think you guys had a great year last year. You got, you, know, you talked about, it. you got to be very happy with 2022 with LaFleur. 
yeah, it was, it was our, it was our best year ever in regards to growth. Um, it was, you know, it was followed up, uh, you know, a challenging couple of years. Hold up. He's got 34 now. Timeout. He's tied. All right. He's one basket away. Anyway, um, timeout. So, uh, so no, it was, no, it was a huge year for us in 2019, right before COVID hit, uh, we had just finished a pretty substantial expansion at the factory and a, can you guys hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Go ahead. All right, cool. The sound changed here on my end. Um, so we finished a pretty substantial expansion of the factory and then COVID hit. So we were at partial capacity for over a year and then really just kind of got back to that, you know, a full capacity load in the middle of 2022. So it really took, you know, two years to, to get back to that. And fortunately we had had that expansion at that time uh, because once we did hit the stride, the second half of this year was, was massive for us. Um, and that was really driven by existing products. You know, there wasn't a lot of new releases, uh, we did have some new items, you know, with the TAA exclusive series and whatnot. Uh, but, you know, there wasn't big releases for two years at a PCA trade show or things like that. Um, you know, we really were focusing on core line. So this was core line growth. Uh, it really, you know, the first new cigar we've had in the last two years as a major release was the Solis, which is just slowly starting to get out to retailers. And now just got a cigar aficionado rating today at 90 which is a huge, you know, a huge pat on the back and, you know, a, a nice badge to get uh, for your early young, you know, an early young blender and, and junior. But yeah, it was huge. I, I think the size, what's unique with our company is we sell everything we make. Um, and it's 98% of our business is brick and mortar driven. You know, my, my biggest accounts are not major, the major online retailers. Now they have the product, but uh, you know, it's, it's a small portion of what we do in our business. And to have growth like we had this last year is a testament to, to how our cigars are received by consumers. And, and to see that and have it continue to grow and have opportunity, uh, you know, still where we're looking at this year is going to be a big growth year for us as well. On top of new releases and different projects like the return of the Lito Gomez line, uh, that's uh, going to be coming back this year on top of some other projects, uh, fun things we're going on. It's, it's a great position to be in, but we sometimes go under the radar when people talk about like companies, of the year, like, you know, how could we grow 30% this last year and not be considered the company of the year? You know, I'll give you the answer. We we, kind no, of one go under, those numbers. no one had those numbers. Yeah. Yeah. Which is fine yeah. because that's yeah. not, you know, that's yeah. not something we advertise. We don't sit there and discuss the exact numbers and, you know, it to see that and to have that type of growth, you know, that's a great position to be oh, absolutely. in. It, it, it's an honor to have those types of recognition. Yeah. But, it, you know, I, just us growing and seeing that the demand is still, it, with that growth, the demand is still exponentially higher than what we're making is a healthy place to be in. You know, we're certainly proud uh, proud of that. So there was, there was no year better to see that. And then they said the setup leading into this year, uh, you know, I, I think this year we're going to probably have more attention paid. He just passed him. All right. There he is. Yeah. There we go. Congratulations to LeBron James. Yep. What yeah, a, step what a back, step back shot from uh, just out, outside of the foul line, extended a little bit, big shot. That's cool. Um, so, you know, to have that, I think this year, what you're going to see in 23 is a lot more. It's going to be a lot more noticeable for media coverage. 
uh, it's, you know, of what we're doing. Cause there's new releases. Soli's technically a new release of this year, you know, it came out the last two yeah. weeks of, of 2022. Yeah. Um, there there are know, 2023 really releases for us too. Yeah. 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 So that's a big one. Then as I said, we've got the, the Lito Gomez line is going to be returning uh, this year. That's, that hasn't been out since 2015. Yeah. So we're kind of refacing how that, how that exists, uh, re-representing it on a visual level. And we're really going to launch that in a different way than that's ever been treated. It's essentially going to be a relaunch uh, of a product that, you know, that's a yearly type release for us. And, uh, you know, that's going to get a lot of excitement. Then Pro Cigar this year, we have a fun project that we're doing for Pro Cigar that's going to be announced here in the next few weeks, which is something that's going to extend into something uh, later in the year. I'll be posting a picture of an augmented size of Lenox here in the next couple of days. Ooh. And uh, when you see that, that, that the project's going to revolve around Lenox for our auction item we're doing, but it's something that we're working on. So I think you're going to see three or four real high profile projects and you're going to get to see things that we've done over the last three years that we've been working on internally that are going to really elevate the company on a visual level. The NFT concept, that was a big deal last year, but it's still a big deal this year. So I think you're going to start to see still some more excitement around those actual cigars themselves. And that kind of will lead into this year too, but it's, it's going to be a lot more higher profile type growth that you're going to see rather than just the business growth that we noticed on our level. Uh, you're going to get to see this year. So I'd be surprised at the end of the year, if there just wasn't more exposure on uh, top 25 lists, we're going to be eligible for a lot of them, uh, you know, cause there's going to be new products out. Um, you know, uh, company of the year type things. I think you're going to see more noticeable, uh, noticeable things that we put out that, you know, that this is just more recognition. So I, I think the labor and the effort we put in, you know, for the entire time that Lido and Tony and Inez have put together, the labor's always there, but this last three and a half, four years has been a lot of internal workings where the end results are going to be seen by media and consumers at a really high profile level. So one thing about the NFTs, and, and this is where I, I'm a little concerned, and you could you could kind of refute this and tell me I'm wrong. Um, I think what you guys did with the NFTs was was groundbreaking. I think you created a, an, an innovation and an excitement that we haven't seen in a while. I think it was great. It seems like, though, it slowed down at the retail level for the people selling that, and that's concerning me a bit. Part of me thinks that some of the retailers priced it too high. Um, what are your thoughts well, on what that? Make, well, here's my question. What makes you, what makes you think it's slowing down? I don't see a lot of people talking about it. That's kind of where I'm going. Like if these, well, like I, so I, currently, uh-huh. currently there's, there's, there's six owners. Okay. There's you can, prove, it, yeah. Pro- you can prove me wrong on this. That's one person, saying. one person owns one and two. Okay. Yeah. So it's five. Those are actively for sale. Those but one are isn't selling them, right? One is a private person though, right? Hold up. One and two are owned by the same person. Those are for sale. Okay. Right. Number three is a private owner who mm-hmm. is not selling them. Number four is a online retailer. Jack Schwartz has them available. He's sold out. Not surprised with that one. Okay. That one doesn't. Yeah. Number, number five uh, is a retailer ownership. It was Matul Shah, Danny Dickwich. Mm-hmm. At uh, at mom's uh, son cigars in New Jersey, they're sold out. Um, they have a 
there's a lot of their cigars are going international. There's a lot of international demand for these too. Okay. So they're sold out. Number six isn't for sale. That's owned by Cigar Country. And number seven isn't for sale until March 2nd, which is Cigars on the Avenue okay. here in Winter Park, Florida. Um, and those will be going on sale. So right now you have three of them, three of the seven retailers are actively, uh, three of the seven owners are actively selling them. Sorry, four of the four of the NFTs are actively being sold and they're not available. The reason you're not seeing a lot of a lot of discussion you're seeing around one, the price point range is anywhere between sixty dollars to two hundred dollars. Now the funny thing is, is I've noticed the ones that are like sixty to seventy five dollars. I know the numbers. The second one of those are sold, they sell out instantly, yeah. and then I see them online being flipped. <laughs> so okay. they bought them for seventy five bucks, and then they're selling them for one hundred and fifty online. So I don't know if the price is two hundred or three hundred or four hundred, but I know that that it's not, you know, probably 70, if people are buying and flipping them online, but now also too, we're talking about a really small amount of cigars. So at any given period of time, if every single one of those cigars were on the market, that's just 420 cigars a month that would be technically available. So right now you're looking at my dogs over here. He wants to go in. Um, so right now you're looking at, at any given period of time, there's really only 180 cigars that are available for people to actually buy. And, and they're just not available. It's a very small quantity. And this is one thing that I told people, I said, I think you're underestimating how small an amount of cigars, 60 yeah. cigars is a month. Yeah, you're I right. That's too. a really, really small amount of a very high-end style product. Uh, so I, I, again, it hasn't slowed down because most, you know, half of them aren't for sale and they're part of different concepts. When this number seven goes for sale, if you're following a little bit of my social media, I've been I've been sharing their their way they're releasing it. But they're going to be announcing other concepts. Like they have a they have a special golden bar menu. Uh, you know they branded the bar with the golden concept. Uh, they have a beautiful gigantic gold display. So you follow on social media, you get to see that their concepts a little different than some of the others. And there's many different ways to handle it. Uh, but yeah, I mean they're they're just sold out, man. There's just, there's a small amount of cigars. Um, if you're selling it by the box, one person's getting 14. So one person's getting, you know, 20% of that person's available yeah. stock. So it's a really interesting default thing to follow. I think the thing that was unique about our NFT concept was, was the NFT was just the conduit to authenticate this limited product and you, and for you as an owner to have the right to buy it. Right. If you're looking at it as the digital artwork, which a lot of people couldn't get past, the digital artwork has value, but it doesn't have crazy value because Tony's not a, a famous artist. He's not a, you know, an A-list celebrity. In the cigar industry, we're known, but what? How much money can you make just by being known? I, I'm not sure. Uh, you know, I think there would be some value to that, but the real value of this is the actual technology. And what authenticates this and the, the millions of redundancies through a blockchain, through Ethereum, which authenticate without a doubt who owns it. Have the retailers who have been selling them, are they able to reorder them and get them on a monthly basis? Yes. So they have the ability, if they want, they can order up to five boxes a month. They don't have to take right. those if they don't want to. And we don't send them any other place. You know, we produce what, what's right. ordered. 
Um, but so far every month we're, we're, what are we in now? So October, November, December, January, we're four months in so far, everybody's accepted those. I would be surprised that, um, I would be surprised that if anyone wouldn't accept the full of allotment, at least that first year, right? I think you're going to see that. And then even if I think the most likelihood is if somebody, instead of them saying, no, I don't want the allotment. I think what you might see is they might take it and just say, hey, they're not available for sale right now type of a thing. They may sit on them for a period of time. And as I said, there's a lot of different concepts coming up with this that you're going to see. And it's still in its infancy in terms of of how this luxury goods going to be sold. It takes time and patience uh, to kind of determine what the best direction is going to be and what's good for one is not necessarily going to be you know, what works for another. So there's plenty of different concepts to see with it, uh, but it's certainly not slow. Um, it's just, again, the availability side of it and the amount of people that are actively selling it. And initially too, the way it's being sold by those who are selling it, they're kind of, this is why I think you'd say like, oh, it seems like it's slow mm-hmm. is they're just posting it up and saying, hey, I have this for sale. You know, <sighs> that's a really hard way to move a luxury good and to treat a luxury good. People that want to buy something that's high-end and rare, they like some pomp and circumstance around it. There's got to be a service around it. It's not just, hey, I want to buy this cigar, and you're telling me it's $150, and I'm just going to come and buy it. It doesn't work that way. Yeah, you're right. I think I think the packaging thing you did on it, I know you showed it on the last show we did with Aaron. I, I think the packaging looked really beautiful, some of the you know things you did on that. Yeah, I think, you know, I think Tony did a great job with the whole project. I think yeah. it was really done great. I would, my recommendations for if anyone were to ask me if they wanted to do an NFT style concept like that, um, I would do it almost exactly the same. Um, you know, Abe and Pete, Abe's doing one with Pete Johnson. I think there's some challenges in the way they're going to do it, which is going to affect it. Um, you know, I, I won't get into that, but there are some challenges I see with it. Uh, so I think it's going to be successful, but I don't think you're going to see it the same way that ours yeah. was. Uh, you know, this is a very exclusive product. Uh, and, th- and that's why I say, too, is patience. If going back, if I could tell the owners exactly what to do, I can advise them. I wouldn't do the raffle auction thing that happened. I think well, that was a terrible idea. Well, you just bought a Ferrari and now we're going to do bingo night at the retirement home. That's not, that's not luxury. And, and, and it reflected that, right? Like people, it didn't, first of all, it's illegal. It was illegal and they couldn't do yeah. it. Second, yeah. it just didn't look good. And nobody I, wanted I think the intent, I'm I not, think they had the right intent though. I, I mean, I think I'll yes. say that. Yes. And then, then it's a matter of, you know, you get it in and then I want to, I want to get it in people's hands. So they smoke it and get exposure. And then you have two of the owners that are like, I don't want to sell these things at all. I want to build this up. I've got this concept that I'm going to build. And when that's ready to launch, we're going to launch the whole thing. And it's, this is how this is going to work. And I think that's what you're going to see more success with. And I think that's going to breed some success, even more success with the others, but this is still so much in its infancy uh, that it's, you know, right now, number seven, lucky number seven owner cigars on the Avenue in winter park, Florida, they only have 25 boxes of the 20, sorry, 20 boxes of these cigars. So they have 280 cigars. That's not a lot of cigars when you, when you really break things down. If you, so it's a small allotment. It's a small amount. And I said, everybody's got a different approach with it. Uh, but I, I think it takes, t- it, 
you know, Opus X wasn't Opus X overnight. And then uh, Oro Blanco wasn't Oro Blanco overnight. There's things that, that happened that led up to that. There's things that led up to the Andalusian bull being what it is. And then the gold in the same time. And th then naturally those things grow internally too. So the patience you're going to see with us in the, the next step of the next wave of exposure on these cigars is going to be significantly different than what it was initially done. And I said, initially the people that put them out for sale was like, this was hot. They got a lot of attention. Now people are going to buy it. That doesn't mean, that doesn't mean people are going to buy it. It was successful. They're going to buy it, but you have to treat the product the way that it's represented. You know, it's got to be treated appropriately. Um, you know, if you just throw it up on a website and expect people to buy it, you will have people to buy it. And if it's not moving as quickly and then you lower the price, guess what? There are people that are exciting, uh, uh, sorry, that are innovative and they get it. And I watched it online. I watched people buy these things and then flip it. And I'm sitting there and I say, you know, I say to that retailer, I'm not saying that you should raise the price. All I'm saying is that person bought it from you, doubled it and still sold it. So there, there might be some demand by, you know, you might be leaving a little bit on the table mm -hmm. if you're trying to take this off to another market. So as I said, patience is key with any of these things. If someone got into this, if one of the buyers that bought it got into it to flip it and make $100,000 instantly, they, they got into it for the wrong oh, reason. Yeah. And they're going to have to be more patient. If that, And I think there were some people that thought that that was the option. Um, I never looked at it that way. Um, John, you, you know, you, yeah, John, you, you, you and I actually had a really good conversation around this because I admittedly, I, I'm still not necessarily feel like I'm, I really understand the NFT concept, but what I do know about it and is, well, this, this project of y'all's did follow certain, I guess what we would know, what we've known to be is the status quo with NFTs. Like you said, with the, the, the verifying through the blockchain and everything that you talked about, but see, this is where I think Coop and I disagree on this. And you can tell me if I'm completely off base. I thought of these as more of, yes, like I think they were, they were going retailers, if they were going to purchase them, we're going to move them. But I thought of this more as a, more of this as a, uh, Novelty is not the right word because that I think that minimizes the impact that this has, but more of a prestige buy, you know, more of a prestige ownership, right? And and you could probably say that about the private owners, I suppose. But I've always, I, I I kind of viewed it that way. And if the if the retailers wanted to move it, they could, they would, and they they obviously can, as you kind of just yeah alluded to. But that's the way I kind of saw it. And so I don't think it selling or not, you know, you know, not selling. I don't think is I don't think that's really the point. It, it, you completely just could disagree with me here. I know I see what both of you guys you're, are saying. You're on it. Yeah, it's a combination of, of yeah. many things. When you have something that's a luxury good, it's scarce. And then there's obviously a crazy demand and respect for the Andalusian bull. And that concept and, and really the prestige of our company has grown a lot over the last few years, too. And this is an example of the way that people trust us. But the it's certainly it, this is one of the discussions I've had with a couple of the owners that are holding on to it. I said, what are your thoughts on holding on to it? They're like, well, I don't want to just sell these to get rid of them. I want somebody to be able to walk in here and buy one. I want that person that wants something that nobody else has to be able to walk into the store and if they want to spend $1,500 or 2000 or whatever it is, 
on a box of these, they can have them. And I'm going to treat them incredible when they do. They said, like I said, lucky number seven, they have this beautiful gold display that they open up and present you a box with their own certificate of authenticities that they've made. I love that. QR I love codes that. on yeah. it. Everything aud- signed by the owner box. This is number one of five that came in this month. Right. That's the date on it. So they're really creating <laughs> something different. And will they sell them? Yes. Is he going to sell them out every month? Maybe. But even if he, you know, I said to him, I go, what do you do if somebody wants to buy all five boxes every month? He's like, he goes, I'll sell them all four for 20% more than what I normally would. And I'm going to keep one box because I have to have these here. Like yeah. I can't not have these for sale. And that's a different mentality. It's again, I hate using this because then people are like, oh, you're not Ferrari. You're not, I'm not saying we are, but if you go past a Ferrari dealership and they don't have Ferraris on display, something's wrong. If all the Ferraris are flipped and gone every day like that, right? That's crazy business that's great but that's not prestigious part of a ferrari dealership is the showroom part of selling it is that is having it there having prestige representing and presenting it in the right way and if you're going to spend i mean these people spend almost a hundred thousand dollars on these things yeah i I, if you're going to just flip something that's a different story but you know what you really bought was you brought something that has prestige something you can build and it's at such a low quantity that even if you treat it with that level of patience, it's going to naturally grow, get better, more prestigious as time goes by, and there'll be more demand. Now, there's people, I'm sure, that are watching and saying, I'm never going to smoke one because I'm never going to buy one of those. That's fine. There's the, we, we make cigars that are $5. Uh, you know, we make cigars that are $40. We make cigars that, that are in this NFT concept, yeah. which are going to be fluctuant in price point. You know, and that could be anywhere between 100 to 300. It could be more. Who knows what, what the demand for that is, um, you know, or the or the market that's going to, you know, pull for that. I watch cigar auctions, cigar auctions that cigars go for, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars that touch someone's lips. So it, it, you never know what's at. But I can tell you that certainly if, you, if you're treating it as something that's going to be flipped, it's not that product because it doesn't look that way. It wasn't bought in that way by the buyers, whether that's what their goal was or not. The real thing you're going to see, this is exactly what you said, Bear. This is a prestige thing. This is something I need to be patient with. And this was an investment in having something that nobody else is ever going to have unless they want to buy the whole con- buy the whole thing from me. Uh, I, I, well, it actually, turns cigars on the Ave into a destination, right? Yeah. Huge. huge. And he hasn't yeah. even sold one yet. Um, it, that you, everything you say, John, makes a lot of sense to me. That that actually, I, I see everything you're saying with that. I don't disagree. That actually cleared a lot of things up with me, um, with that. Um, and I didn't think it. I mean, Bear, we just actually talked about luxury cigars last week too. And and, mm-hmm. and we and one thing we mentioned that there is a special market for that type of stuff. It's not the market that probably anyone on the show is is in that market. Unless yeah. maybe but, there is. I don't know. But but, but they but, might. But they might. But here's the thing. Yeah. You may have a special occasion that pops up and you're in a round where one of these NFTs are. For example, I mean, it's easy because Winter Park's here, but you're at Cigars on the Avenue. You stop in because you want to go in and have a nice cigar and mm-hmm. something great happened. You're going to go celebrate. So you go down, you're like, wait a minute. They have this golden menu. You know what? I, I'm going to spring tonight because today is something I want to really honor and I want to I want to have something prestigious. So they grab a really nice cigar. They grab a drink that's been paired with it on this golden menu. They participate. I mean, they're having custom chocolates made to go pair with a coffee drink that they have that's made to be paired with the cigar. I mean, that's crazy. 
you know, it's a far cry and you know, I'm not calling anybody out, but it's a far cry from bingo night at the retirement home that I told you about earlier, but you're utilizing the same thing to do that type of thing. But that might be that person. You never know if that's going to be you and you want to celebrate. Now, would I, am I, if I'm a consumer, am I going to buy boxes of these? The amount I smoke, I can't afford to smoke that prestigious of a, that, that pricey of a product that fluctuates that much on a regular basis. But I may walk in and it's a time to celebrate a big business deal, a new job, baby comes along. <clears throat> There's a market for products like that because it exists. I watch Oro Blancos get sold every day. I watch pre-embargo Cubans get sold every day. I watch I watch Royal releases from Davidoff get sold at 100 to 150. I watched Davidoff just increase their prices 30% and nobody even flinched. Nope. You know, so we talked about that too. The same smoker, but that smoker exists. And it may be it may be you, even if you don't think about it, because it might be something that you've never approached. If I walk into the right place and it's this is the moment then I'm in that I'm having it, then there are people that smoke those regularly for the same time. There's the celebratory moments as well. Well, I'm on board. I agree with you on what you're saying. I, and yeah. in fact, the thing that supports it, too, is there's just so little made at the end of the day. You're talking eight hundred and. 60 times 20, you're talking 800 820 cigars times seven people so it's like five thousand cigars i mean that's nothing that's tiny for the whole world i mean that's really really tiny um and you know it'd be a different story if it was like 30 40 000 cigars uh that, that were moving around but i mean you're really talking about a really small amount which uh, at, at itself makes it you know the scarcity side of it's going to come into play as this gets a little more mainstream and the concepts that I talked about that, that these other owners are doing right now come into play. So honestly, all the owners are going to benefit from what the small group, if somebody does something that's great, that helps everyone. Yeah. I got a message asking me about um, Abe's cigar too. I think he's not doing anything until after the great smoke with that. Yeah, people asked me about it because uh, Tony was talking. We were down in the Dominican last week, and Tony yeah. was like, hey, what's going on with Abe's thing? And he says it's been pretty quiet. And I said, well, Abe's pretty calculated in the way he does things. Yeah, he's not going to. He wants to focus his attention on his great smoke. There's a lot of releases coming out. There's no reason to get it lost in the mix there. Yeah. I think as soon as the great smoke's done, you're going to start hearing a little bit more about that because I know he has been working on it. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I think I think you're 100% on, on that. It's like this the great smokes all of his focus right now that that other thing's a working project and then once great smoke's done then we'll move on to the next project right yeah yeah i mean uh so i, I would probably see maybe no earlier than april mm -hmm. if, if that soon but he's gonna he's gonna make sure all the i's are dotted and t's across with that all right i got one more thing bear and i don't know if you had anything else john i need I actually just picked up my uh, my TAA cigars, my Golden Solomon's. So I have those. I have not smoked them yet. But that's that you're kind of retiring that line of TAAs, so to speak. I mean, there's, there's going to be something different this year is the plan. So the golden concept with the TAAs came from the 50th anniversary, which was right. five years ago now, which is the golden anniversary. Yeah. So we, they, I thought the TAA did a good job. They invested a lot of money in the, in the special 50th anniversary logos and um, not everybody used it, but I said, this is beautiful. They spent some money on this. I'm like, we might as well, you know, 
build this into a program that can last a little bit of time. And ultimately what the goal with the whole concept was to create a line of cigars that were individually released at different times that in the, maybe in the future we could do some research on and say these, these are the sizes that worked out well and potentially in the future release a, a higher end cigar line and price point like those were $20 plus um, you know, around two to 300 different accounts around the country or the world. And it was a big success for us. And um, I think there was a lot of information that we got from it and it, it ended up being one of the more successful TA releases um, from the exclusive series in terms of being sold. And then I think in terms of recognition, I think that we really achieved uh, a line that looked different from our products, but we're still an LFD product, but it represented the TA. Well, I thought we successfully did that. But yeah, so the, the the one that released in the end of this year and early this year, uh, we still have some left to ship, was the Golden Solomon, which was kind of the, the curtain call on the Golden Anniversary blend. And we're approaching the 55th anniversary. Um, we haven't announced anything about what we're doing, but it is the Emerald Anniversary. Uh, so it's the last it's the last rare earth stone uh, until you get to 60, which is the diamond. Yep. Uh, which has a lot of trademarking stuff around it. So we'll see what happens if we get to 60. Uh, but we will have something that's Emerald Anniversary themed. And we'll be announcing that within the next, uh, probably the next 45 days because TAA is coming up at the end of March. Uh, but yeah, we'll be retiring that and then we'll be doing uh, a new one-off project with uh, with something that's Emerald themed. And we'll kind of see what direction we go from there um, after, um, you know, and, and see where that's at. But as I said, the concept of the golden concept was to create a line of cigars individually released at separate times, never available all at once, but to get information and feedback on what, what consumers thought, what retailers thought price-wise, how they sold, and then maybe something that we could bring back in the future. Um, you know, so to be realistic, at the end of this Golden Solomon run, at the end of this year, early next year, I'm going to sit down with Lito and Tony and say, this is what we did over the last five years. This is the success we had. I think we could expand this type of product, something similar, maybe utilizing even the same blend and, and expand this to more retailers, um, you know, and, and, and do something unique and special because it, it did work for us. Um, and, and I thought it was very successful. And I, personally, I, I love the blend. Um, it was something I handpicked. So that was great. And I had a lot of, you know, I had a lot of working with that more than I do with any other products. And uh, it was a big success, I think. And I, the Solomons, I think, have been wildly successful already. And they said we still have a good amount of them left to ship. So those are those are still slowly coming out. I want to say that was the most premium um, TAA product ever released. Maybe I know Fuente did some. I mean, I know they brought back the Forbiddens. They made them available TA, But as far as a TAA blend. I think that's the most premium, ultra premium one to come out. The well, specifically the Salomon, I'm thinking. Padron is probably the only other one. Padron, but I think the the Salomon was probably, you know, yeah, Padron probably the other one that's close. Yeah, I I mean, this, this is, this is third the the MSRP on this cigar and then the size of it and the way the blend. This is thirty five to forty dollar MSRP. Oh, yes, you're looking at a so it, it's certainly one of the higher end. Uh, the higher end of just the the of the one-off exclusive series because they have the ongoing series which Padron participates in as well. Yeah, uh, like TAA forty-eight that they came out with. I think that's like thirty-four bucks or thirty. Yeah, like yeah, that. I forgot about that one. Yeah. So you're looking, yeah. So you, but yeah, so you're looking at the higher end of the price point. Um, and, you know, we kind of pushed the envelope with it a little bit, and that was, you know, we worked closely with the TAA 
to, to you know find something that you know that was going to be representative representative of that but part of the reason we were able to produce a solomon in that type of blend was because the other blends we did you know were were really received well yep. and you know i thought they had a lot of value even though they were a higher price point they had a lot of value with what the blends were you know the the chap the the chapter one chisel and chapter two chisel shape with the box the 58 ring gauge box press chisels at 25 those did excellent you know they were really it was a really special blend um it, it looked the part so it really elevated it elevated the TAA representation for us and it elevated the representation for TAA also at the same time that we were kind of elevating ourselves as well. So it's, everything's kind of working in a, you know, kind of in rhythm at the same time. Uh, so it's, it's fun to, it's fun to have this come to me, come to an end because I, you know, my plans for the next step are something taking these and making it even bigger, a bigger part of what we're doing. Um, you know, and I got the information that I need to represent that and present it to Toledo and Inez and Tony and let them know, you know, what my thoughts are on that. So this coming to an end is, is nice because now I can take it to the next step and hopefully, you know, continue on with what my goal was initially five years ago uh, when we did this project. Yeah. One thing I'll say is I, like, um, I do like when that's, I've seen a couple companies take, put release stuff for the TAA and it's kind of a precursor for something else. I've seen Lapolina do it. I do like that approach. Yeah. Um, so yeah. <clears throat> the only the only issue that I have with it, which I've seen over the past, is sometimes they've just done like line extensions where they pick a special size or they're, they're like, oh, we're going to do this and then release it out. Because we've done it before with our 707, which is the seven by 70. I remember that one. That originally a TA blend. And now, fortunately, you know, that's been a huge staple for us. Uh, but to, to take it and actually build a line, which people didn't really know we were doing at the time because none of it was ever released at the same time and none of it's ever really available right next to each other at the same time. Yeah. Really checked on where the market was at for that type of product at that price point from an LFD and the way that it looked. And then you put that in their minds once a year for five years in a row, uh, you know, you got a lot of information. So I, I, nobody's really done it that way where they've built, you know, really built a line that they could release we got like eight facings now on us in theory, we got eight facings in our pocket that we could work with, you know, to create something. So, you know, we're, if we go that direction yeah. with it is to be seen, but nobody, nobody's taken it and done it to that approach yet. And, and we'll see where, you know, where we go from here. I like it. I mean, I like, uh, you guys could easily extend the Euro brand with these. So, I mean, that would be, yeah. you have an, you already have a place in the portfolio to do that. So. Yep, I love, I love the, I love the aura blend, and I love that yeah. you guys, what you did with this, John. I think, yeah, um, it, I mean, I think it was this most successful series in TAA. Uh, Coop and I have long said that you know among your your among three brands that consistently put out TAA excellence every single year, there hasn't been a miss. You know, yeah, and you know, and that's an elite company of you know, Tatuaje and Crowned Heads, what they've done with the Lost Angel and the and Pete's TAA blend. And, and you guys have done that. And, it, but this is, this is even a complete series. Like you said, it's five years into it. Right. Um, and it's a complete series of what you guys were able to build on it. So I think even we could even shrink the contribution that LFD has made uh, when it comes to TAA and, and, and say that this has been the most successful series within the TAA model. Yeah. Um, I, I'll say that I don't want to put words in Coop's mouth, but that that's what I'm saying. And, and, and I, I, I mean, bravo 
Yeah. Um, because um, Coop is such is, is a much bigger critic of, of TAA cigars than I am. But I, I mean, I do agree with him in this case that that um, there hasn't been a miss. Like when... a lot of times, yeah, no, but yeah, to your point, Coop, and, and to your point a second ago, John, you know, there's a lot of times where yeah, it is just a line extension, and it's it's special, but that word has kind of gotten watered down over the years with other companies, and I think you all have always stepped up to the plate to make it special and you certainly it, have yeah, it can't just be special because i say it's special it has to be special because it is right yeah so mm-hmm. i'm a big critic of the ta stuff too i'm on their advisory board and i i rip apart stuff constantly uh when it comes to the exclusive series like this isn't this isn't reckon like, this is not unique enough this doesn't look different enough this is this is a cigar that just has a secondary band on it and it's a normal shape and the packaging is the same packaging and it has a sticker on it you know pete's Pete's is very successful because he was the first to do it. Okay. And the products are very good too. The, the one that just came out is delicious. So they're excellent, but he was the first to do it. So that's huge. He was the first to do it. And he's got a series and a reputation for being the most important TA exclusive. And he is, then you have others that just like, Oh, I'm going to do it because I'm going to, you know, we want to support because you know, money comes back to the association and then well, let's do a line extension here. Well, this cigar sells well. So let's do a special version of this cigar. And I'll just tell you, it's a special version of it. You know, maybe they put some effort in I'm not saying they were lazy, but we, we sit down and say, what, this is what we want. There's a lot of thought that goes into this. Like what's the packaging going to look like? Uh, how many cigars are going to be in it? And what's the price point? What's the, what are we trying to do with it? How, how will this work with the retailers? How will this work for other retailers? If it ever goes outside of TAA, um, you know, so it wasn't just a thing to get a participation in the ex- exclusive series. It was to participate, support the association, but then provide them something that has value and then could have value ongoing not just that one year to like check off the box and say we participated which i I think a lot of them are that you know it's not because of laziness it's just because it's accepting of it you know the 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 members are accepting of that uh you know where it's like okay hey there's 20 of these this year so we're going to bring them all in all right perfect but you can take it to another level if you want and you know what we did forced that to go to another level whether the retailer wanted to or not i mean it just it represented itself uh and it it really did stand out and you know i i appreciate the gesture on it uh you know the the compliments but you know that was the goal that what you're saying was our goal yep speaking of goals i'm in the middle of this 2023 i smoked the 2018 for the most of our should go would age that really well but this 2023 john rich i mean it was just rich yeah that thing just it was really good I mean, these are off the truck as off the truck you can be. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it got Literally. delivered. For me today. to smoke something off the truck and say it's good, um, Bear will tell you that's rare. It is <laughs> but, rare. Yeah, I, I, I always say second half ain't as good. No, that thing is. I'm actually smoking the Miami one. It's fantastic too. This is an aged Miami one from 2020, uh, and it's smoking fantastic. So, uh, bravo, man! As we come full circle here, Bear. Anything else uh, before we wrap up? No, I think I think we hit on it all. Um, just uh, it was exciting to see you all have uh, the year that you all had, John. Yeah, uh, I know right. it's I know it's been a long time coming for you. You guys have done a lot of due diligence, and you know you've had some. You know you've 
you know, had some setbacks, whether planned or unplanned, you know, no one saw COVID coming and what you guys had to do from production standpoint after the expansion to the factory. And uh, you've been a, obviously a pivotal part in that. And it's just great to see yeah. what we all know to be true that, you know, the Florida Minicana is one of the premier uh, brands in this industry. Um, you know, it's a personal favorite of mine. Um, and it was just great to see that. And, and, and we know that there's great things coming in the future and I'm just super excited for it and excited for you, my friend. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And I'm looking forward to partying with Lido and you, especially Lido uh, down at, and pro cigar. No one. Yeah, I told you a couple secrets that we got coming too. So uh, yep. yeah, yeah. yeah, we'll, we'll be down there. We'll be down there in a couple weeks and uh, we're looking forward to that, but so big games coming. The picks are up online. So I, we got to follow up on this. So Matthew and I are going to be doing a, a halftime show again for the third year in a row. Uh, so we will be doing a smoking tobacco halftime show right at exactly halftime. Um, so if you don't want to listen to Queen Riri, you can come on and listen to uh, Matthew and John talk about what's going on in the football game. And I'll let you know who won the chili contest at my house in the middle of that. But yeah, no, I, I'm happy with the cigar. I think I like I was excited when this Perfecto Habano shape was the shape again, because everybody asked me what was the most unique one. I said the one we did in San Francisco, I don't have any more of them. I go, I that would be perfect. I I wish I had more of those. And then Tony sent me the pictures and I was like, yes, I was yeah, that was a real I mean, that that was the first show we did, too. No, second. Yeah. No, we didn't do it that show. We was the after. Yep. I think. I, but yeah, that one was a great one. Um, This this is fantastic. I mean. Like I said, I think my favorite is still that 2021, the way it aged. But man, this one's this one's gonna. I think the sky's the limit with this one. This one, like I said, they're they're great to smoke now. I mean, I'm gonna be going through some of these. Uh, I'm gonna be sending a couple down to Australia for Dave, uh, who will probably go nuts over this cigar. So um, I'm excited about that. All right, uh, to just to close out. Thanks to our audience again. Um, Again, we'll we'll have the Tobacco USA contest up uh, on Coop this week. So there will be that. But like I said, I didn't have the prize pack uh, finalized yet. And uh, we were late in getting the winner out. But Skip Skip Hafke, uh, who's out there, was the winner of the Monte Cristo pack. So that will be Ooh, nice. Good job, yep. Skip. Yep. So he'll, that will be coming his way. Um, programming notes. Um, next show, I'll say the next three shows that we have on Coop. Uh, Thursday, we, we're talking about him. Pete Johnson will be coming back to primetime on Thursday night. We'll be catching up with Pete. Uh, for that, we primetime episode 356. Um, next Monday on primetime jukebox, we'll be doing because this generated a lot of discussion on our social media channel. So we moved up the uh, Hall of Fame, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame discussion. Uh, we, we were going to hold off on that. We decided to move it up because there was a lot of discussion we got on social media with that. So that will be Primetime Duke Rooks 89 on Monday. And then the following Thursday, I'll announce it here, um, Primetime 257, that will be on the 16th. And we have Nick Malolo coming on. So we have some big shows. As far as special edition, I think the next special edition bear will probably be after Pro Cigar. So we'll have we'll have a date and a topic for that pretty soon. Sounds terrific. Yeah. Because uh, I know I can't do three, three shows. It's going to be tough for me to do next week with uh with everything going on. But uh, so and by the way, if you haven't seen Bear's interview with uh, Scott Pierce that took place on Sunday night, I, I won't steal the Thunder Bear, but it was a great interview. And you're going to get a lot of insight into this year's trade show. I'm just going to tell you this. Scott does reveal some things that he can reveal. And I think if you heard Scott, there's a lot of excitement. So I don't want to give it all away, but definitely tune mm -hmm. into Bear's show on that. 
yeah, there, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of insight, a lot of intrigue, um, a lot that unfortunately couldn't be discussed. It's not. Uh, uh, he discussed you know, the, the, enough, though. He discussed enough, though. Still. Yeah, no, no, no. It's it, it, it was I think it's I think PCA is going to be very exciting this year. I think they're going to build on an excellent trade show from last year. And, and it's going to be I think it's going to be another successful trade show from a lot of uh, from a lot of different perspectives. Um, you know, it's it's tough talking to Scott, um, you know, when things are up in the air, simply because there are a lot of contractual things that legally he has to he has to protect Sure. The, you know, uh, the PCA and, and, and our industry um, because of, you know, because of, you know, legal stuff. And then uh, so I think that uh, it again, it showcased a lot of what went right in last year's show, what they're going to build on. They had a great show. Uh, and, they really had some opportunities. Show. So yeah. I'm 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 super excited. I'm super excited for this year's PCA and for uh, what what PCA has uh, been doing lately. And and uh, Scott certainly uh, shined a light on a lot of that great stuff. So a lot of po- a lot of positivity. I'll call it one of one of the more yeah. positive shows I've had with Scott. Scott never shies away from tough questions. You asked every tough question. You asked every tough question to him, by the way, in that show. But he talked a lot about this year's trade show. That I think he was able to expand on most of the things going on at the trade show this year. So I think you're going to want to tune into that if you haven't. Definitely. Most of the stuff that he couldn't answer was future, obviously. But yeah. And then this Sunday, we have uh, Laurel Tilly, uh, who's going to be talking about her new position at AJ Fernandez. So Ooh, check okay. out. Wow. Good job there. All right, John, I want to thank you again for uh, being on. We do appreciate you. I know we kept you late as always, but uh, thank you for the cigars. Thanks for yes. you know supporting the friendship as well. I look forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks as well in person. Just rest up. We need you. We need you at full strength in the DR. So I, uh, I, I took a sick day today and I took a sick day tomorrow. So I'm going to, I'm going to sleep in one more day and, and beat the rat, uh, whatever's, whatever's left over of what I had in my system. So I'll be ready to roll. We'll be, I'll be at full strength very, very soon. Yep. No, I'm looking forward to it. And I will be covering La Florida Minicana this year again at Pro Cigar. Because uh, a lot of good things we're going to be talking about when we get bring down. your uh, bring your appetite, my friend. We got the the food is going to be uh, going to be next level. It's hard to top last year. Is all I'm I know, right? Yeah, but it is. It is. I told you what it was before, but I can't tell anybody. No, else. no, I can't. I can't. It's be, it is going to be better, and, and which is shocking. Well, and Lito's like personally involved with the food preparation too, which is which I found amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, I mean, he's engaged. He's totally, he's, look, I think a lot of manufacturers are all great, right? Lito is like so involved with Pro Cigar, hands-on. I mean, he. I remember he was loading people on the buses, even. I didn't, you know, I, I've seen him do that. He's, That's how he runs the factory and runs the company, yeah. too. I mean, like, it, people are like, oh, what, you know, what does, does Lito do events? And I'm like, he doesn't do many events. So, like, well, what does he do? I'm like, he runs the, he runs a cigar factory. Yeah. Because, yeah. Like, and like, he, he does that, he does that to a personally, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He takes it very personal, and which is great. I mean, it's it's fun to see him be that into it. Somebody that's that passionate, yeah. um, you know, and it's legitimate. I mean, he just lives it. So, yeah, yeah no. Yeah. But thank you guys for having me on. I think it's going to be a good game this weekend, and uh, we'll see whose picks are right. Yep, sounds good. We'll have to, I guess, winner will have to buy the other cigars. So something like that. We'll do it. All right. Thanks again. Thanks to our audience. That's going to wrap up Primetime uh, Special Edition 136 into the Annals of History. For Tuesday, February 7th, now Wednesday, February 8th on the East Coast. We'll see everybody next time. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time.